This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. John, it has been a big week for this show. We had John Moxley talking UFC 253 and his love for MMA and blood sport. He uh, he came on uh, over the weekend and we put that show up. Uh, I believe it was Tuesday morning. And then Justin Nipper and Carlos Toro have been recording podcasts after the G1, and one of those for night four will it's going to be right at the beginning of this show. And also getting a lot of coverage of the G1 from Chris Aiken. He's writing recaps. All four nights are up on Fight Game Media. So busy time for, like, who, who would have thought the end of September, the busiest time of the year for Fight Game Media and the Fight Game Podcast? Yeah, there's all those things going on around us and recovering and we're on it and, the you know, fans and listeners can... One stop shop is right here, Fight Game Media, man. So that's uh, we're here to serve, and we're here to give them some great content. Have you sent in your UFC picks yet? Oh shoot, no. I, <laughs> um, let me see. I'll do it tomorrow. I have to it's look. okay. The the reason the reason why I said that is because I was really late on sending them out to uh, everybody. Someone had reminded me. I usually send them out on Monday. For for this is sort of an inside joke, but we do. Uh, we do UFC picks for the main shows, and John is not paying much attention to the UFC this year, but is winning the whole thing. And we're, right. we only got like four more shows left for the whole year. So uh, it's a little bit of an inside joke. I usually send the picks on Monday, but because, like I was saying, the, the busyness of this week, I forgot. And someone, uh, Cactus Jim, sent me a note today, and he's like, hey, where's the where's the picks? I was like, oh, shoot, I forgot, completely yeah. forgot. So, sorry, sorry, peoples. Yeah, we'll, we'll post all of our picks uh, on Fight Game Media Twitter handle before the show, and then I, I kind of, I, I do all of the calculations, and then we see who's uh, doing the best for the year. I need to pick it up. I'm, I'm slacking. I'm, pretty, I'm, I'm slacking. Yeah. As a, as a Marcus uh, Mac would say, I'm slacking on my Mac. And- slacking on your Mac, and um yeah i mean you know you should just tag me on that moxley uh interview at the end like john what's your picks for the show (laughs) (laughs) this guy this guy this guy maybe her yeah (laughs) and then i'll do well so i don't know this has been going good just kind of just doing very little research for some reason this year so i'm just keeping it up well i will say because we did that show justin and i did the show with moxley I wanted to blow out that preview and I wanted to really have information and I wanted to watch some of the fights from the folks that I, that I wasn't really super familiar with. Like the opener, uh, a, a guy by the name of uh, Hakeem Dawadu. And he's, he looks, he, he looks like he's a, a really, 
up good up and comer, but I hadn't re- like I couldn't remember seeing him fight. And then I went back and I looked. And I was like, yeah, okay. The last two shows he was on like the prelims opener, and then he was on the prelims for the next show. So unless you're watching that stuff, some of these some of these guys you're gonna miss. And so I got to watch some of his fights, and then I got to watch some of um, uh, Cara Francis fights. And so I, I feel like I'm more ready for this weekend's UFC than uh, I have been in quite a while just because, you know, I, I did watch tape and I did do do my research and, and I feel pretty prepared, but that probably means I'm going to own five in my picks. That's probably <laughs> what that means. Usually what happens, I mean, that's every time I try to do like deep research on fights and then it was end up missing them. I don't know. So I'm just going with my heart looking at, you know, I don't want to say my strategy. Heck no. I can tell my strategy, <laughs> but uh, I look at I look at a few things and then I just just go with my heart. All right. So, like I said, we have uh, we have lot lots of content um, last night. So we posted the, the show with Moxley on Tuesday. I really appreciate everyone's feedback. Like the most feedback I've ever gotten on one of our shows from like from a guest. Like I get I, you and I get tagged and stuff all the time where someone's like. Oh, I love 1992 WCW. What do you think about this? Or you know, Robert Silva will watch and he'll tag us. But um, that and then that's sort of that that was with the 93 Raws too. Like people are into that stuff, so we get feedback on that. But just from sort of an outside perspective, I've gotten tagged on so much great feedback for the Moxley show. So really appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. We hope to get him back. Hopefully sooner and later. Sooner than later. Um, but also the uh, G1 shows. So basically what uh, what we did was last uh, Monday morning. So we put the flare, uh, flare, we're not doing what we want flare right now. We did the WCW uh, 1982 WCW Saturday night. And I and I attacked that on to Justin and Carlos doing their um, their their uh, first recap uh, of the G1 cast. They had done a preview episode uh, the previous week. So this was like their first, they, they, they recapped the first two nights. And so yesterday they did a solo show. So the first time ever in the history of this show that either you or me were not actually on it. I, I, I did the ads for it. I read the ads, but it was all Justin, all Carlos, hardcore G1. You know, what's awesome about Justin is he lived in Japan. Mm-hmm. And so he understands the culture, but even more impressively, like he's got the pronunciation of all of these names down. Oh yeah, hat. yeah. And oh, like I love. I'm, I'm half Japanese, and like I feel like a failure when I yes. listen to him. Yeah, step up he, your game. <laughs> he's I so say it better good. than you sometimes. <laughs> he's so good at uh, all, all that stuff. So really, really love listening to those guys. And you know, Carlos Toro. He writes boxing for us. He he does do wrestling for Fightful, but you know he he's a he's very much a um, what they used to call. You remember Cordell Stewart, the old quarterback in the NFL for the mm-hmm. Pittsburgh Steelers yeah. from like the late nineties. So they used to call him Slash because he was like quarterback slash runner slash wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Like that's Carlos. Like Carlos can cover boxing. Like Carlos covers boxing better than anyone that I am not seeing like in a major online or print publication. Like he's that good. And then he covers the ratings for Fightful and he, he does some other stuff for Fightful when it comes to wrestling. And then he can talk New Japan and, and, and the G1. So Carlos is Car- not not to say that 
you know, we caught him early or we befriended him early, but he is someone who, you know, in a few years, I think, I think more people are going to know about Carlos Toro than uh, currently know about him today. So yeah. I, I want to be on the, I want to be on that rise with him, like saying, dude, you're going places. Thanks for hanging out with us and go do your thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. They have a great show. I like, I like listening to it. I like getting caught up and, Cause I haven't really been able to keep up lately. It's just been so much going on, just out, you know, outside of you know wrestling and stuff. So it just like, I gotta catch up. I gotta watch Jeff and Chingo. I gotta watch. Uh, yeah, that was a good match. Yeah, I gotta watch a couple of those A Block matches, and um, I gotta watch my Tanahashi matches. So okay, so we did a poll, or I I, I put up a poll. I asked Chris, who's writing the recaps, and I asked Justin, who's doing the G One cast with Carlos. I said, okay. First four nights, what are the four best matches from the first four nights? We're going to put up a poll on uh, in our Facebook group, our Fight, Fight Game Podcast Facebook group. And I just I was interested to see because, you know, we have the challenge and, and we've got a bunch of people putting in their predictions every every show. Um, I should have the uh, I, I'll read off sort of where the standings are today. But I wanted to look at this poll that we did. Um, so the four matches that I put up on the poll and I said, you know, look, you can, you can even add an, uh, an other if you want. So the, the first four matches were Ishii and Suzuki from night one, Naito and Tanahashi from night two, Ishii and Osprey from night three, and Naito and Zack Sabre Jr. from night four. And then there was one other, Chris Samsa, who really helped us with our G1 challenge. He wrote, um... He wrote in one that I that I didn't pick, but mm-hmm. the winner uh, of that poll as of uh, this evening, as we recorded this on Thursday evening, is the Naito Tanahashi match from night two. If you want a uh, a Tanahashi performance where he turns the clock back a little bit, that's a match to watch. I think you really li- I like that match. I, I was watching it live because it was I think it was Saturday night. And it was really early. I think it started at like ten o'clock or something on the on the West Coast. So I was able to watch the whole thing live. And there was a bunch of us, Justin Payne and and some others who were watching it live. So we were, uh, Ryan Pike. We were able to kind of hang out. It kind of it was kind of fun, you know, to be be online yeah. and just communicating about the show. That I think that might be my favorite match since the pandemic started. Really uh, yeah, yeah, it was tremendous. Yeah, Tanahashi. I mean, he's smart. He's a, he's a the legend, and he knows when to turn it on. You know, he knows to pick his spots, and um, you know, he you know, coming to the pandemic, coming out of it, you know, working his way back. He knows the G one's happening. It's gonna happen, and so yeah, that's when he turns it on. He's 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 brilliant. He's one of the best wrestlers I've ever seen. You know, I mean, he's definitely in my top ten um, of all time. And um, yeah, it's just a joy to watch him do his thing. He still has a lot left in the tank. Some people are kind of writing him off, but trust me, he still has a lot left because he's smart. He knows when to do it and knows when to turn it on. So finishing in second place in our little poll was Ishii and Suzuki from night one, which was, you know, as you can imagine what their kind of match was, just hitting hitting each other with everything they got. And then Ishii Osprey uh, came in third and Naito and uh, Zack Sabre Jr. came in fourth. But the match that Chris added, as uh, Chris Samsa added, was uh, Coda and Jay White, which was interesting because, you know, you're going to get the shenanigans in, in that match. Mm-hmm. But for Chris, he really liked it. Jay, uh, you know, Jay, Jay's looking pretty strong right now. Jay's looking pretty jacked and pretty cut right now, too. He's so good, that guy. He yeah. is, 
He's such a great worker. I mean, he he's not out there. He's not out there trying to steal the show or anything. He's just being a heel, and um, it's very very rare these days to see guys understand how to work like a heel. So it was a I really enjoyed really enjoyed that match as well. It's a good pick. All right, so let's um, let let me give you the current breakdown of the scores. Now, this is not going to mean a lot to everybody, but just you know, this is kind of for the people who are in the group who are listening to this show every week, who I really appreciate. You know, it's it's funny because you know I think we mentioned this the other day, or one of, one of the other shows recently that we did, maybe it's on the the two hundred show, where. You know, back in the day when we started this, it was like, whoa, like someone mentioned the show, like there, someone's out there listening. And now, you know, because we have this great group uh, and we have just people who listen to most of the shows, it, it's kind of fun to, you know, see someone go, oh, when you said X or, you know, this thing that you guys talked about, I was like, it's still, it's still kind of you know, kicks me in the gut a little bit to to think, oh, wow, people are listening. We're not just doing this for each other. <laughs> yeah, and shout out to uh, a female listener, uh, Jennifer Burke. Big fan of the show. Big fan of the show. And she enjoys getting her wrestling from the Fight Game podcast. So That's go. awesome. Jennifer, really appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Okay, so I found, I found the scores. Um, so... The way that this works, there's five matches for every night. And so far, we've had four nights. So that's a possibility of getting 20 matches correct if you got, you know, if, if you are right. And um, David Lavelle, who is, he, he's, he's not, I wouldn't say he's new to the group. He's been in the group for a little while, but he's what you would call a rising star in the group. I really love all of David's posts. And he is leading the pack. He's gotten 17 out of 20 matches right. right like, he's killing everybody. Brady, our buddy Brady, has 13. David Oakley has 13. Ryan Pike has 13. And then uh, the guy who won the um, the New Japan Cup Challenge that we did way back, uh, I don't know, it was a few months ago when, when they came back, when, when New Japan came back. I think it was maybe it was in June or something. Uh, S-T-E-A. He's a, he also has thirteen, and then um, and then uh, Chris Aiken and Gabriel, who's a new who's a newcomer into our group, and then Jeremy, they have twelve. I am almost in dead last. Oh wow! My 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 understanding of this booking is way off. Like I'm like after the first two nights, I was like, okay, I got it. I sort of have have it figured out. And then in night three, I think I got two matches right and then in night four i got one match right so i'm i'm like almost dead last thanks to larry who's uh who's in dead last so that i don't have to be in dead last. <laughs> so i really appreciate larry here so okay so um a couple of last things before we get to the g1 cast uh night four with justin and carlos they will be the entire first segment you and me will come back and wrap this show up which is Thoughts on Road Warrior Animal, Joe Laronitis passing away. Um, really sad for me. I think it was more sad than anything else because I just did not like, I, I didn't see this one coming at all. Like, I was so surprised. And then I looked it up and he's like, only 60. Obviously, Hawk passed away several years ago. And the first thought is, you know, you know, 
Road War Animals is just a big jacked up dude. And, you know, you kind of worry about guys who uh, are passing away at 16, kind of wonder why. But I, yeah, that that one hit me, and and, and I know that um, you'll have you'll have. A, I, have you ever met him before? No, no, never met him. Okay. I've, I'm trying to remember if I've even seen him live. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, I've seen I've seen LOD live for WWF. So my Road Warrior story is, I, my best friend when I was growing up was a guy by the name of Kenny Threets. He was a year older than me, and. Um, when we were, when he was in about the sixth grade, I was in the fifth grade, or maybe it was like fifth and fourth or something, you know. So we're talking, I don't know how old I am, nine years old or 10 years old. And I was at his house, and I had only known Hulk Hogan at that point. And I even, I wasn't even really that big of a wrestling fan yet, but at least I knew Hulk Hogan. I sort of knew that Hulk Hogan was very popular. And so he turns on WCW Saturday night. I'm a world championship wrestling. And so I'm watching world championship wrestling. Hawk and animal are out. They're cutting a promo. And I think Hawk says something about soggy buzzard barf. And, you know, they do all their catchphrases. And then I go and I watch them just like destroy whoever the enhancement talent was. And this was like Kenny's favorite team. I was like, even more than like Hulk Hogan, he's like, yeah, these guys are the best. Like they're like, these guys are better than Hulk Hogan. And so I I didn't really start watching WCW or NWA yet. Uh, It would take me probably another year, year and a half to really dig in. But they were literally my introduction to a different universe of professional wrestling to use a WWE term. Then WWF, like I like when I'm watching, I was like, Oh, there's another company? Like, what is going on here? I only had known WWF, so I was introduced to NWA and an alternative wrestling company through the Road Warriors. That's awesome. So what do you... Re- like, do you remember when you first saw them? Yeah, yeah. It was um, uh, my buddy Chad. When you, like I said, we watched a WWF pay-per-view together and he oh, was his like, poor dad. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, you got, you know, he says when he introduced me to the NWA and he, he said, I never fate the line. He says, it's like the WWF, but just more real. Right. <laughs> so of course, you know, I was talking about my love for Lex Luger and how impressed I was, but at the same time, and not only Lex Luger, it was Ric Flair, it was Sting, yeah. but the road wars as well. And you know, them coming out and just, just with the face paint, the spikes, all black, you know, tights and, they just looked like badasses, and they were badasses. And then um, I remember like being like in awe of them. And then I remember like I think soon after I went on a trip with my parents to Yosemite, and it was you know it was for a young kid I was I was kind of hyper and I wanted to go run around and do something. Yosemite was kind of like a slow like it's a chill right chill mm-hmm. vacation. And there was like this like an area of the shop and had a bunch of magazines, and there was this wrestling magazine. It wasn't PWI. It wasn't. It was like some like I don't even never even seen a brand of it. It was like a wrestling eye. It was just some random magazine. It was all full color, um, clear paper, like you know, just nice paper. And I remember like just flipping through, it was mostly pictures. And there was this pictures of the Road Warriors with their spikes and the NWA World Tag Team titles. And I just thought they looked so cool. I remember staring at that picture for so long. So 
I just thought it. I just thought they were amazing, and I remember being heartbroken when they went to the WWF. And I was remember my little league coach told me he broke the news to me, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we were practicing, and I think I was pitching, and he's like, "We're talking about wrestling," and and I remember he said, "Well, you know, the Road Warriors are going to the WWF," and I'm like, "No, they're not. You know, they're not going there." And sure, shit, like next weekend, <laughs> that's a you know. Thing. LOD debut with their orange uh, spikes, which I didn't even care. You know, I didn't, I mean, a lot, a lot of people, probably a lot of older people than us, you know, it's, we're just kids, you know, but I was just like, man, they're here. And why they call Legion of Doom? You know, yeah. they're the road warriors. So it took me a while to get used to that. And yeah, man, I, I always loved them. And of course, um, later on, watched a lot more stuff for them, like in Japan, where they were just like getting paid so much money for these tours and just, they're just, protected and not selling for anyone and destroying like Ricky Choshu and all that stuff. It's just, uh, it's amazing. There's, I was always an animal fan. This, this, so, uh, the two, I just liked animals face paint mm-hmm. with the spider and everything. And I love the power slam that he did. And I just liked how he looked just these, those shoulders, those traps. Right. And I just thought he was, he was just cool. And he would always, he always fire off a cool drop kick for his size. And I thought that was pretty amazing as well. So, yeah, I mean, it was a shocking, like, you know, six years old? Damn. You know, like, I know Hawk was 46, and he just had his anniversary, right, the night. He just celebrated his anniversary that weekend, and, you know, it's very sad that, you know, the animal passed away, and a lot of the guys are posting memories and pictures, and, you know, Scott Norton wrote something really, really nice about him on Facebook, which is, you know, he just just sent a video in like of honoring their anniversary and he did a video and he's he said, you know, he's happy he, he actually did it. And, and, uh, yeah, just, just really sad except for his family and fans. Yeah. So the, I'll, I'll mention one other road warrior story, which is I was so into them winning the NWA tag team championships <laughs> at Starcade 87. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I was so sure that was going to happen. And when it didn't, it literally broke my heart. Like, I was so frustrated. And it was almost like, I don't want to say that that hurt my fandom in any way. But it, because it wasn't, nothing was going to hurt my fandom in, in 1987, right? You, you know, maybe 1993, sure. But I was so mad when they didn't win and they got the dusty finish and they're in their hometown and the road warriors are pretending that they won. They're acting like idiots. I was so mad. And I, I still, I mean, not, not that I ever, you know, knew that it was dusty who was booking at that time, but I would just, I just want to, I wonder, you know, I, why didn't he pull the trigger? I'm sure it had something to do with the fact that, you know, the road warriors were more of the team, on the hunt rather than, you know, your, your perennial champions, but still like you could turn, you could give the belts back at, at some point, yeah. you know, quick turnaround. But that was the moment for that entire show. That was the thing on that entire show to me. And when he didn't do that, I was so mad. Yeah. I mean, you know, the rulers are, you know, they're a gimmick. They're above the titles anyways. They don't technically need it, but like in their hometown at Starcade, everyone's feeling like they're going to win it. He should have pulled the trigger. You can, you know, do various creative ways for them to be stripped of the title, to lose a title. Um, I mean, shoot, they lost the AWA tag titles to Steve Regal mm-hmm. and Jimmy Garvin. So, I mean, 
they can lose it to anyone if there's a creative way behind it. Yeah. Um, and uh, but it's funny though they did win it a year later against the Midnight Express mm-hmm. as, as a heel on my birthday October 29th. So oh wow, so that's why I always remember the uh, the Road Warriors as well as because like I was like no one's ever won a title on my birthday and I remember like <laughs> reading it and I was like oh the Road Warriors did and and the, you know so I always thought that was cool. All right, let's quickly talk about. Our latest sponsor, Indeed, before we send it to Justin and Carlos. So I mentioned on the last podcast that my company, you know, we're, we're still hiring. A lot of companies uh, put the hiring on hold. There's hiring freezes. But my company, you know, we're still technically a startup, even though we've been around for a little bit, a little while. You know, my department specifically looking for a social care support person. And so, you know, immediately in my head, oh, indeed, you know, I need to tell, you know, I need to tell my people, you know, let's figure out if we can get something going with Indeed. So, uh, right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it. And, uh, you know, just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire this is the best available offer for them. You know, Indeed is very much, uh, you know, a na- uh, the company that comes out there, you know, when people are looking for this kind of stuff. So they're legit. Uh, go right now, Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions will uh, apply, but offer is only valid through the 30th. So, you know, there's only, as of this recording this evening... Uh, September 30th and, and the one thing is you know they have this thing called sponsored jobs and uh, you know y- y- if you if you uh, get into that it's it, it, you, you get like three and a half times more likely to result in a hire so check out indeed uh, and and uh, let them know that the fight game podcast sent you all right so let's throw it to Justin nipper he's gonna do a little bit of an introduction like he's been doing on the G1 cast and he and Carlos are going to talk for about 40 minutes you, you'll come back to us and John and I will quickly talk about NXT and AEW so it's time for Justin Hey, thanks, Garrett. Hey, it's Justin, and you're listening to the G1 Cast presented by FightGameMedia.com. Welcome. It's day four of New Japan's G1 Climax, and it just wrapped a few hours ago, the second day of two days in G1 and uh, Hokkaido in Sapporo City. And today we had another really cool card, really great card that was headlined by Tetsuya Naito and Zack Sabre Jr., who had a ripper of a match, which we'll talk about towards the end of the show. Great, great match. Uh, also, Carlos has some interesting stats to share with us today about um, Hiroshi Tanahashi's uh, G1 win-loss record patterns from 2016 until now. So stay tuned for that. So besides Fightful.com and many other sites, you can find Carlos on Twitter at CarlosToro360 
And I'm also on Twitter as well, Justin M. Nipper, K-N-I-P-P-E-R. If you're jonesing to reach out to me for some reason. All right, let me run down the quick results for today's show before we jump into the show with Carlos. So, like I said, second show, Hokkaido. First match on the card, Yotatsuji defeated Yuya Urimura with a Boston Crab in about eight minutes. The first B-block match of the night, Hiroki Goto defeated Sanada in a really good, fast-paced match. Well, fast-paced for those two. Toru Yano defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi. I swear, that's true. Seven minutes, 15 seconds after a low blow and a lot of chicanery. Uh, Juice Robinson defeated Kenta in a really cool match. 17 minutes. Evil defeated Yoshihashi in a match that had me excited. How? Why? Yoshihashi? Oh my gosh. And finally, the main event that I mentioned earlier. Zack Sabre and Naito, which we'll get started talking about right now. Let's go. Okay, hey, it's Justin, and I'm back with Carlos. Another day in the books. Carlos, what did you think of last night's B-Block? You know, it was a pretty good match for a show for the most part. There were a couple of things that kind of left my head scratching just for, for a little bit, but overall, it's... Uh, still one of the better wrestling shows of the week, especially considering, you know, how certain shows in the state of Florida, more specifically the city of Orlando, uh, mm-hmm. may may have given us throughout the week. But that's neither here nor there. We're here to talk about the G1. Sure. So last night was again from Hokkaido. Same venue, different lineup. First match, we got another Young Lions match. I like, I'm thinking of this as the G2 of the summer. It's funny, I, I, I've uh, seen people call it the unofficial C block. C block, sure, yeah, that works too. It depends on how you want to. I know that G1, the whole the idea of grade one, grade two, that's just kind of the grading system for pretty much everything mm-hmm. in Japan. Like, like uh, there's a, I was an English teacher there and there was a, a test I used to help students out with called Aiken. And there was Aiken one, Aiken two, and Aiken one was like the hardest. Mm-hmm. Same for the, like any like language training or or like that uh, Noah N one it just means I don't know what the N stands for but one is just like you know number one I don't know sometimes I I think in English we think higher numbers better I don't know whatever <laughs> N one G two C block this match was really good though it was um, Suji Suji was back got picked up a win what did you think of the first match. It was a, you know, your typical Young Lions match, which, you know, if you heard the previous episodes, then it's kind of pretty much uh, what I've described. Every single Young Lions match, not a not a whole lot of uh, complex wrestling maneuvers, not a whole lot of, you know, big, big sequences or anything like that. It was pretty basic. I did not think that the crowd in really myself was into it as much as last night's show or the day prior, I should say, with Gabriel Kidd and against Yuyo and Mora. They were, it was a good match, but it, there was something lacking about this match in my eyes. I don't know if it was the intensity that I saw from Gabriel Kidd that also kind of rubbed off on Yuyo and Mora the day before, but it was like a more milder version uh, of some of the Young Lions matches that we've had in this G1. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. It didn't feel as, 
special as last night's. I don't know. It's not like it's not like I'm saying that this has any this lacks in quality at all. This was a great match for what it was. It's just I think we're spoiled with seeing great matches. And I think Gabriel Kidd, you're right. He kind of set the bar kind of high with the intensity and the charisma in the ring. That's uh, not, not to take anything away from either Tsuji or Waymura. They were both great. I, I liked uh, Tsuji using this. Uh, running rolling power slam i don't think i've ever seen something like that before that was pretty cool and uh he really cranked on that boston crab for the win in this so yeah it's standard fare like carl said if you listened before if you listen to any other new japan podcast or if you've been watching these matches are you're not going to get too many surprises you're just getting good wrestling like carlos said it's it's simple and it's basic but that's not to say it's like um boring or it, it, it there's not as much repetition, but the style itself, the style that they're doing, a lot of mat wrestling, a couple simple high spots, and that's it. It's just another variation of that. So if you're into that, check it out. Uh, but, yeah, that's that. So on to the G1 B block. So the first match. So I was really surprised by this match. Okay, Sanada versus Hiroki Goto. Goto walked away with the win with the GTW. What did you think of this match, Carlos? I was really blown away in that. Maybe Goto heard our podcast yesterday and I, you know, talking some stuff. I didn't mean it. You know, <laughs> he, it was great. He was great. He did a great job. I'm not going to, it's still false advertising to me, but uh, <laughs> he had a great match. They were working at like 100 miles per hour compared to what they usually uh, work Ye- at. Yeah. Well, I, I would not say maybe 100 miles per hour, but I would say it was a crisp 80 miles per hour, but it never crisp dipped. Okay, but it, it never dipped below that at any point. It was like, they started at 80 miles per hour and they just hit cruise control and it stayed at that pace throughout the entire match, really. It was it was pretty good. There was a lot of countering. There was a lot of back and forth between these two guys. They, you almost never got a chance to sort of to take it all in and like take a breather. I think the closest one was like late in the match when Sonata got it like a two and a half fall and then they just and then the crowd just started you know applauding to everyone and would just only there for like not even 10 seconds and then the action just picked right up it was a good match i was kind of surprised that out of the two guys who started and one that it would be sonata who would lose i would think that a loss to toriano in that manner would you know they would at least give him at least the immediate when in his next match, now he's 0-2, which is a pretty big hole for anyone that had Sonata in their pool. That's right. Although, like we talked about a little bit yesterday, sometimes we can't always judge a wrestler's entire G1 run on the uh, first couple matches. To me, this might suggest that there's something planned for Sonata next month towards the end. And we have to remember that on the schedule, Sonata's last match in the tournament is with Evil. Yes. So I don't know what's cooking, but something I believe is. Because I, I just don't think they're going to let Sonata with his new look just, you know, job out the entire uh, G1 and serve as fodder for guys like Hiroki Goto. Not to say it again, <laughs> Goto's he Goto was great in this. Like he's always very good, but he was, um, like you said, the crisp eighty miles per hour. He he's often at a slower rate. Yeah, he's always kind of working, and uh, maybe it's not as much as the the rate as it is like 
it felt more intense and it felt like a really compact version of both of these guys' matches. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? These guys, especially Sanada, they kind of work at a, like, they build up the momentum towards the end of the match for both of these guys. A lot of it starts out deliberate, hard, slow, and then it, it builds to something, but there's a time issue here for this year's G1. These shows are really short, like we've been talking about, so it's been all action, and I, I think it suited both of them well. They, they complemented each other great. It was a short, high-energy match. You probably haven't seen a, a match like this out of Goto in a long time. I keep. I feel like I'm harping on him too much. <laughs> like I just. I. I just. Uh, I expect more. I guess he's great. He's great. He's great. And that's it. I guess we'll see what happens for both of them down the road. Uh, okay, let's move on to the next match. This was interesting. I can't wait. Uh, well, yeah. So okay, Toru Yano beat Hiroshi Tanahashi. So th- that's one layer. That's one level of uh, mind blown for some of you out there. I'm sure. But the match itself was. Like a call it a like match? a Benny Hill segment. What's Can that? Can we even call it a segment if it was only seven minutes long and three of the max was actual wrestling and it was barely that? Like the Young Lions wrestling was more complex than the three minutes we saw between Tanahashi and T- Toriano. Yeah, this was uh, wrestling adjacent, but it, it would be hard to call it uh, straight a uh, pro wrestling. But that, that that becomes another discussion for what wrestling is and yada yada. But this was all over the place. So it's I, I remember there was a, a a mad dash to the ring at one point where both were outside the ring and they were being counted out, and both uh, wrestlers toward the ring posts off the corners, and Tanahashi with his really intense perm side perm. He was playing the ring post as a guitar, air guitar. And Yano, by the end of the match, had tape wrapped all around his head. Looked, he looked like he had brain surgery or something. But um, I'm not connecting the dots here. I'm just listing the highlights. But, Carlos, what else do you remember about this quote-unquote match? Slash? This could easily fit onto like a DDT card house show or something like that, right? Yeah, but, but before that, I do want to mention... Listen to this podcast if you want bold predictions on G1, because I correctly predicted on yesterday's <laughs> show that Toriyano That's was going right. to be Hiroji Tanahashi. I would have never in a million years predict that Yano would be Hiroji Tanahashi by pin by pinning him while being blindfolded. That 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 is a new one, I do have to admit. That ups the ante for sure. But um, it was, yeah, this was... Not a match, as you mentioned. This was a Benny Hill comedy segment. It was, <laughs> there were, you know, Toriano was trying to sort of do the same formula to an extent with the Sonata match where he tried to get Tanahashi to lose by count out because they were fighting all the way at, at the entrance, at the, yeah, at the very entrance. Like, if you were to sort of get out of Gorilla, like, and, and I didn't realize, like, that is a long, long way, like, Tanahashi was not at full sprint, but he was like power jogging and it took him a while to get to the ring. And it wasn't like he was limping or, or anything like he was genuinely trying to haul ass and trying to get back into the ring. It was it was nothing, you know, too complex or, or anything. They was just this was a comedy match, but it, that's what you expect out of a Toriano match. Now, I can understand why some people might not be happy because 
it's Tanahashi and Tanahashi lost in one of the most ridiculous ways I've seen Tanahashi lose a match ever. If I can just recall back to that's fair to, to his entire that's career, but now the story is Tanahashi's in an zero and two hole and. Looking at like recent history, so I kind of like look back on this because I remember Tanahashi also having a bad start last year, and so I checked, and this is the third time since 2016 that Tanahashi started the G1 in an 0 and 2 hole. So, and it's not like he goes on this massive run and just wins six or seven of the remaining matches. The average amount of points. Tanahashi ended up with in both of those G1s, which were 2016 and 2019, the average amount of points was only nine and a half, which translates to a four win, four loss, and one draw record, which if you think about it for Tanahashi, that's it, that's not really good at, at all. That's a really interesting stat because it seems okay, like every year more or less we're going to take out the one year that he won it was 2018 i believe so we're going to leave that one aside but aside from that tanahashi kind of follows the same record he he almost replicates the same he starts out slow picks up some wins later and what i find really interesting about it is that it's like you said it's not the greatest record but everyone's always still talking about hiroshi tanahashi it kind of it's one point that proves that Wins and losses, it's not like they don't matter. But they're not everything. But if you're, they're not everything. And if you're really damn good, that is what gets over in the end. That's what people remember in the end is if you're really good. Um, now, Tanahashi's lost now, t- twice, and we're talking about him so much. Now, now Toriano runs the gauntlet and wins the G1. That's a completely separate story. Well, that don't be hasty. I don't know about that. Um, if you're willing to, you know bet the barn on that you feel free carl I, I will cool. not I, mean, you have, I will not you have the hot hand <laughs> you have the hot hand so far i think and uh if joe napoli my buddy joe napoli is listening in albany new york i know he's very very happy about this toriano win it, yeah i know he's celebrating with his ipad i hope he didn't break his ipad in celebration so congratulations joe congratulations toriano and i guess congratulations tanahashi he was great too even though he lost. Yeah, I mean, like, if you were to compare this with the Sonata match, I mean, Sonata, for the longest time in his match against Toriano, he tried to have a serious wrestling match until they had to get to the comedy stuff. Tanahashi was playing along to Toriano the entire time. Like, yeah, it's a G1 match, but you treat it as, like, a comedy match. It was good. It was good. It wasn't anything too offensive, but but then you add in the context of the G1, and then it becomes a different story in my opinion that's right i'm it served a purpose i mean toriano's function on these cards is to spice up the card itself so you're not getting a lot of the same kinds of matches if you're not i'm not saying that the matches have been very similar but it could be easy to fall into a pattern of 10 15 minute sprint kind of matches and if you don't spice it up with anything else you're going to get like a a certain kind of product that's just it says only one thing when you have yano on there it's light comedy it's not that long and he serves a purpose in the brackets to be like the bracket buster person to set up an interesting outcome because that's the great thing about pro wrestling you can manipulate that part of it and do cool things but another thing about tanahashi and kind of the theme of this 
tournament is Tanahashi, we saw last night, he adapted to Yano's style. Like you were talking about the Sonata and Yano match from earlier. Sonata didn't really adapt at all. He was just doing Sonata and Yano did Yano. We're here, Tanahashi adapted and did Yano's style. And last night, Tomohiro Ishii, I thought he adapted to Will Ospreay as opposed to them trying to find some common ground. You see a lot of the wrestlers on this roster, how talented they are and how, how they can adapt and just be fluid with all different sorts of styles in the ring and tell different stories and keep it interesting. I think that's really, really impressive, really professional. The wait is finally over. Football is back. We are heading into week three of the NFL season. And, you know, we as fans might not be able to go to a game this year. I had planned with uh, with my wife. We'd, we'd gone to a game last year. We had such a blast at, at Levi's Stadium in Santa Clara to see the 49ers. I think, you know, we were, we were thinking about going to two or three this year. Unfortunately, there's not going to be fans this year at, uh, at Levi's Stadium. But, um, you know, if, if you're missing out on the action, Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. So head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BlueWire at betonline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Also, for this weekend, UFC show, I got a couple bets on, on the uh, over under. Uh, for Adesanya and Costa, and uh, just you know the fights, you can, you can bet on uh, all the fights listed on the show. Maybe do a couple of parlays or something. Get get maybe get some fights together to lower the odds if you win all three. But anyways, bet online. You're on Align Sportsbook expert. And moving on, let's go to the next match. This is another kind of uh, kind of on the same topic of one wrestler adapting to another wrestler style. Juice Robinson and uh, Kenta. Juice Robinson picked up a big win. What did you think of this guy, Carlos? This was, you know, it was a good match. It was a good match. It was, you know, heading into this, I thought, you know, they really want to, I figured that they would try to push Kenta and just give him a really good G1. But at the same time, it's kind of more or less to the same point where we were talking about Sonata. He's got the new look. He's got the you know, improve physique. Like there was no way like you're, they're going to give him all that and just not uh, put some good wins under his belt. And just Robinson looked good. This was, it, it was funny because you think back a few years ago when juice Robinson and Kenta, they were in WWE, they were in NXT. And now the story is that both of them are in the G one and juice Robinson is, it's a totally different guy, even from the one that we saw, hell, last year's G1. He's he's gotten a lot bigger. He's gotten a lot better, in my opinion. I think he is finally starting to find his groove. I thought that this was a really, really good match. It was it was a solid way to further legitimize Juice Robinson as a real contender, not just as a guy who's gonna simply win the IWGP US title once and you know that sort of be the end of it. I think this this match more than anything will it tells us that Juice Robinson is primed for a pretty solid run in, in this tournament. Maybe not necessarily win the block, but come pretty close to it. it and this is a B block that's so wide open at, at this point. 
Yeah, it was a nice match. I thought it was really good. I thought it could easily headline a New Japan Strong show. It was around 15 minutes. Maybe I say that because I've seen Kenta on it a few times lately, but the way that his matches have been structured, he seems to slow the pace really early and kind of put the match on the mat for a long time and kind of soaks in that heel heat from the crowd. And I think that was a really good choice with what they did here last night because when both of them are standing side by side, Juice Robinson is really tall. Mm -hmm. He's a big dude. And uh, Kenta's, you know, he's at 5'9", maybe. So when they stand next to each other in the ring, it looks a little, huh, this guy could, you know, this guy's a lot bigger than the other dude. But Kenta, the smart wrestler that he is, grounds the bigger wrestler and then we always, we never get the illusion that juice robinson is so much bigger because kenta's in control and he's always ahead above uh juice so it kind of looks so it never looks weird it, it looks oh okay kenta knows what he's doing in the ring quote unquote um so i i thought that was impressive kenta looks like the kenta we remember from uh more years ago there's just the, he's running a lot more I think that might be due to the, the condensed time limits they have on this uh, card. But, um, yeah, and, and I thought that it did a good job of getting Juice over in the eyes of fans as, like, a really, like, he's a part of this team. He's a, he's a character in the New Japan universe or whatever, New Japan world. He doesn't feel like a, like a guest. Mm -hmm. He feels like a part of the roster. And I think... He's one of the main guys, if they really are serious about the New Japan USA expansion or whatever. I mean, he's going to be or probably should be the face of that. I mean, and this this seemed like a preview of something we might see next month on a different card. Juice and Kenta feuding over the U.S. stuff might see it on New Japan Strong. Yeah, I, I was actually thinking the very same thing in which, you know, as I said yesterday, you don't think about it a lot, but the G1, they use the G1 a lot to sort of create short-term feuds, including for briefcase, I mean, title matches uh, with the briefcase. And and I looked at it and thought, this is, you know, the perfect, like, New Japan Strong main event slash match for the IWGP US Heavyweight title briefcase. I wouldn't be surprised that that's what they were thinking of. And I wouldn't be surprised they would do that on a, on the next major show post G1 for that briefcase. I don't know what this means for Jews and Kenta as far as the rest of G1, but yeah, I think this, I think those two are going to have, I think an even better match uh, when that rematch eventually comes and kind of harping on a little bit on the whole Kenta thing. I looked, I thought the the first two matches more than anything kind of showed me that Kenta has finally fully adapted to the New Japan style. Because if you remember, after he left WWE and he came to New Japan, the, the matches that he had at first, they were not, they, they weren't bad, not at all. But I felt like the, this timing was, and his rhythm was just slightly off from the from his opponents and really the, the roster in general and that he needed a little bit of time to sort of get adjusted to things. I, I I didn't know how you articulated it a lot better than I felt. I felt the same way, but the way you just articulated it, that's that's the way. <laughs> you're 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 the one with the words on that one. Yeah, he was different, and there was it sucks because when he came to WWE, he had 
this major shoulder injury and he had surgery on his shoulder that took him out. I think he was out for a year. And if you notice, if you watch him, there's still a huge gnarly scar on his shoulder from that surgery. And from there, it just, you know, it's like in any other sport when you have a serious injury and you're just out of it, like you cover boxing. So it's like, and when boxers are really injured and they're out for a year, the momentum that shifts in their career and their training, uh, not just their boxing training or wrestling training, but in their body training, like staying in shape, it's just, it really throws everything off and it totally sucks. And he, and he just got stuck in that style, that pattern style. And it seemed like it took about a year to kind of come out of that. Cause I think it was maybe about being comfortable too, performing. Uh, and here, I thought, and recently, more recently, he's comfortable. He looks comfortable, and he looks like he's enjoying himself, and he looks like he's enjoying being a heel. And when he enjoys himself, it's really easy for everybody in the crowd to enjoy it, too. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to more of his matches. So, yeah, we got two more matches on the card today. All right, next match. I was talking to you a little bit about this before we got on the air, but... Uh, Yoshihashi and Evil. Evil beat Yoshihashi in what I thought was a really good match and at times was really exciting or I think I was invested in it, actually. <laughs> um, how did you feel about Yoshihashi in this match, Carlos? I've said this multiple times. I thought Yoshihashi is looking a lot more confident uh, ever since he won the Never Open Way Six Man titles, like you could feel like there's a more positive like energy surrounding him in his matches. And when you look at like, especially from the very beginning, because there was Bullet Club chicanery interference a lot earlier than what we've seen in in some of these previous Bullet Club matches, because they usually would come at the very end. But instead, early on, Dick Togo started with the interference like just a few minutes into the match and. From that point onward, it was like the babyface trying to just overcome not just the opponent, but also the outside interference. And this match, more than anything, it proved that, you know, you may not necessarily be a top, top guy. Not everyone can be, but you put him in a match like this, you put him in, in, a, in a role where he is the definite underdog and and just let him run with things. He can be a really good babyface wrestler. And I, and like you said, this was a match where I actually got invested into it a couple of times. And there was one particular moment where I kind of thought, you know, wow, Joshihashi might just pull off a- and get the win, which is, which is really something because we both figured that Jay White and Evil are going to have pretty deep runs with very, very few losses. So Yoshihashi didn't win, but I think that this was the case where his stock definitely went up even in a loss, which kind of goes back to the whole wins and losses do have meaning, but they're not everything. That's right. Yeah. So what I liked most about the first part of the match was that Yoshihashi, he came out to the ring and he just went at it with the metal staff that he carries to the ring. He finally just started using it before the bell and went after evil and it doesn't sound like it's a big deal or anything, but this is Yoshihashi. This guy is, I don't know, it's like not the most charismatic person in the world. And he showed some kind of fire. And there was that, there is a, a tiny story connected to it because in the New Japan Cup in, I think it was March, he he was injured mm-hmm. and he lost to Evil in about four minutes with Scorpion Deathlock. So this was a nice little revenge match too, if you add that context to it. 
oh, he's fired up, he was embarrassed, and now he's trying to get his revenge, and he came really, really close. Um, Evil is really good at the uh, the 2.999 count, as Okada is. I, he's good at giving away those very close false finishes. Uh, he looked awesome in this, too. Um, his best superplex in the business. I, I think I, I'm confident to say that every time. Right from the top rope, not from the second. Love it. Um, but, yeah, Yoshihashi was great. Well, okay, great is that's, that's a strong word. He was he was good. He was very I mean, good. If, if for a Yoshihashi match, this was great. For yes, for yes. in a vacuum, this was a really really good match. And you know what? Yeah. I'll say this: I actually enjoyed this match a little more than some of Evil's early matches as the double champion. I actually I didn't think about it like that, but the more thought I give it, the more I'm. I think I would probably have to agree. I mean. Listen, we're pretty excited about this, and it's, it wasn't the greatest match in the world or anything. I don't even think it lasted more than 15 minutes, but um, they it was a cool story, and both of the guys in there, they really it looked like they gave a shit. They cared a lot. The Again, the outside interference, I'm going to keep harping on it. In general, that is old. It, it's the Dick Togo role, though. Uh, by the way, I think Dick Togo might need a, a tailor or something. <laughs> I think he needs to take his pants to alterations because they're uh, a little baggy around the ankles. But uh, that was another f- thing that absolutely cracked me up, too, is I don't remember the exact finish, but Dick Togo was involved. And there was a, a little bit of chicanery, as you say, a little interference. And Evil landed a low blow and ended the match with everything is evil for the win. And I remember... Uh, Milano collection. He yelled, in he said, "White suit." <laughs> after the win, and um, when I when I realized what he had said and why he had said it, I, I laughed really loudly. Really, really, it was just. I have to go revisit that, but yeah, it's the white suit, I guess. But it was cool. It was a cool match, and I'm looking forward to see if this is only one time or this will be for the rest of the tournament. Will we see? pretty decent Yoshashi matches. I don't know. That, I don't know if I would bet money. I <laughs> What would you, uh, would you rather bet money on that or bet money on uh, Toriyana winning the entire G1? What's a safer bet? And <laughs> you're putting me on the spot like that. You know what? I'll oh, say, you know okay, what? I'll say go- this. I'll go, you know what? I'm more confident in Yoshihashi. I'll, at the very least, there's a, <laughs> at the very least, it's a much better feel good story for having Yoshihashi do really, really well than Toriano doing really well just for the memes <laughs> and the lulls. That's right. <laughs> In the end, it would be a nice story, but we'll see. I have a feeling that neither will happen, but hey, we, that's what podcasting's for. <laughs> okay, the main event was awesome. Zack Sabre Jr. and Tatsuya Naito. Naito won, and I think it was just under the time limit. I think it was just before 30 minutes. It was, yeah, like 90 seconds before we got to the time limit somewhere around that time. And I think the only other match that went even close to this level of uh, a length and intensity was uh, the Naito and Tanahashi match from a few nights ago. What's your take on this match? I guess in comparison with that match, the two Naito matches so far. Uh, this was damn, damn good. And I'm someone who is a fan of Zack Sabre Jr. And this, and I love that 
for a while, Naito and, and was kind of basically going toe for toe on with Naito and with Saber in his style, which is which is weird because like you, right, yeah. you can't because matches like these, they're so hard to predict whether or not they're going to be great because one, it depends on what your feelings are on mat wrestling and technical style wrestling to begin with, but two, sometimes wrestlers are just not able to sort of complement Sabre in his style. So you're either forcing someone to do to wrestle in a style that they're completely unfamiliar with, or you're limiting Zack Sabre Jr.'s best offense. And in this case, we didn't get it either. We got Naito really trying to work on a more technical style, especially early on, and then it just evolved into a really, really damn good match that I don't The pace picked up a lot, especially later on at the very end. It was, it was solid. There was a point where maybe there were about three minutes left, and and I thought to myself, this could really, really end in a time limit draw. I think more specifically was when uh, Naito hit the neckbreaker off the apron to the floor, like really late into the match. I thought to myself, this could actually be a thirty-minute time limit draw, and I don't think anyone would complain. Like. It protected. It would have protected Naito and Saber, and could have legitimately created a a short feud for after the G one. When you were watching it, uh, maybe in the first ten minutes or so, did you have any feeling that they'd go so long, or did you just assume that it'd be, you know, along the lines of the other matches? It, I I didn't think it was going to go like nineteen or twenty minutes per se, but I thought they. I did not think it was going to go twenty eight minutes. Uh, per se, just because we we didn't really we have yet to have like a match like that go that length throughout the G1 prior to last night or, or I guess this morning if you're on the East Coast. But yeah, I, I thought this was gonna go maybe 22, 23 minutes. Didn't expect 28 and a half. Yeah, and it didn't feel maybe it was just really late, but it didn't feel so long. It felt like it was on the same pace as a lot of the other matches more or less it, it is a lot of Zach's style that style the very realistic very logical or like what's the word like real it, he's using real world grappling in a pro wrestling context and he's the, when you are able to do that you can move really fluidly from move to move in the moment and tell stories that are based on like what's happening right then right there that's the kind of style that uh, people are more accustomed to these days because these days we all have a, we're more literate on MMA. We understand what a fight looks like. We un- it used to just be boxing was boxing and boxing was punching, but mm-hmm. it's not. It's just in general, the people that are watching New Japan generally understand what a quote unquote real fight looks like. And I think Zack Sabre Jr.'s style uh, takes a lot from that and, you can get these really cool, less predictable stories. And if somebody else on the other side, like Naito, is good in that style too, it gives him a chance to show off a different side of Naito. Like you said, yeah, I was, I didn't know, I didn't realize, I'm like, damn, they're kind of going back and forth on the mat. And you don't really see that from Naito, the, the flyer, all that time. So, yeah, it was really, it felt fresh somehow. Um, it was great. It was really good. Absolutely. I thought this was 
I, it, it's hard, especially kind of like on the spot. It's hard to say whether or not this was the best match of the G1. Maybe, I, I think I probably maybe enjoyed the Naito Tanahashi match just a smidge more, but this is like more or less right on the same level. Yeah, I have the same feelings. I think the biggest difference is like the lack of history between Naito and Saber compared with Tanahashi and Naito. It's just the story is a little uh, longer and more embedded, so it feels like it's higher stakes, whereas this could lead to something really great in a couple months. I, I'm down, and that's great for Naito because that guy needs to take a break from getting dropped on his neck and uh, like his knees being twisted. I think he he probably would last a lot longer if he took a year off and just you know did the Yave style matches, used his Mexican wrestling style with uh, Zack Saber Jr. Might get something really cool. I don't know, but we're just speculating. So yeah, that's pretty much it for the B block. So the next uh, card is going to be this weekend. Uh, so that's when we'll talk to you next. The next main event is going to be uh, Okada and Jay White. So the story with this is, um, this is where in Kobe, this is two years ago, Gato turned on Okada in the same venue. And the rematch is going to be, well, not rematch, I guess the, the return to the same venue, they're going to re revisit the original uh, turn and when, Jay White took over Bullet Club and so on. So that's the story there. That's the main story. Uh, do you have any predictions on Okada and Jay White? I mean, they've had a couple matches in the past. It was more from last year in 2018, but it's coming back to it. Where is this more of a Jay White-centric match, or is this more of an Okada match? Well, like, uh, the, is the finish, where is the finish most concerned with? I'm very, very intrigued to see how they use Gato in this one because, let's be honest, there's going to be Bullet Club interference, but obviously it's much more, it's going to be much more emotionally invested, at least on my part, because as you mentioned, they, this is the same venue where uh, they turned on, on Okada. They had the rematch. Uh, there's going to be a rematch from when the G1 special at MSG and you know, it was a very, it's a very interesting match. It's, I think Jay White's going to win this one. I think that we're going to see a finish that's going to be just classic bullet club interference. I think it'll be a very, very good match. I think they're going to hold off on the bullet club stuff until like right at the very end. I think this will go a good 24, 25 minutes. I'm excited to see it, yeah. And there's another kind of rematch from at least the Madison Square Garden show from last year. And so we have Okada and Jay White, and the semi-main is going to be Will Ospreay. Oh, that's not Jeff Cobb. Will Ospreay <laughs> and Jeff Cobb is going to be another day. I'm sorry, I'm reading it wrong. It's Will Ospreay and Shingo Takagi. But that's also a rematch. That's a rematch from last year's Best of the Super Juniors. I guess they were never Super Juniors to begin with because they're a heavyweight <laughs> tournament. I mean, But that's totally fine because that is going to be Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to say this to all the listeners out there. If you have not seen Osprey versus Shingo from last year's Best of Super Juniors, go watch it right now. It is one of maybe arguably the best match of 2019. And these guys went at it for, I think it was like a good, what, 34 minutes or, or something like that. It was, I think it was maybe even longer. It was long. Yeah, it was, it was a very, long, very long. It didn't feel like it, it was 
one of the best matches of 2019. Hell, it may have been arguably one of the best junior heavyweight matches New Japan has had in a very, very, very long time. And given the wrestlers that have been in that division for the last few years, it's really, really saying something. I'm excited for this one the most, actually, out of this entire uh, card. I'm very excited to see where it goes. Uh, and Osprey has the win, the 1-0 win over Takagi in their rivalry, so we have to factor that in, too. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. We also have Ibushi versus Ishii and Jeff Cobb versus Minoru Suzuki. And the first match on that uh, A-block card this weekend will be Taichi versus Yujiro Takahashi, heel versus heel. And um, I, I, I want to say Yujiro wins this one, but I have no confidence in making that pit and i'm just like are they really gonna give taichi a loss to yujiro right after he beats suzuki i have no idea yeah it's really I, i'm gonna say no i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna say no but it's a very i'm, I'm cautiously leaning towards no because they could very easily surprise us and give yujiro the win just so that he doesn't go 0 for 9. I wonder how much of the foreign objects will play a part into this match. I don't know if it'll be like a, a just a, a messy heel brawl or will they just have a wrestling match or is there a story somewhere? Uh, I don't know. So I, I'm, I'm intrigued just because I don't know what they'll be doing, but I think we'll as soon as they start the match, we'll get an idea. I, I will say this. I... Man, I, I really hate to be negative. I think this may, this has a real good shot. Like, discounting Toriano matches, which is a completely different animal, but this probably has a real good shot of being maybe the weakest match in this entire G1. That's fair. But I, I'm, I'm always open and willing to accept uh, if people want to change and maybe they'll blow us away. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, look, I'll, I'll say uh, this. That's not founded on anything. Yeah, I'm just I'll, saying it. I'll, I'll say this. I was never, I, I've been very open with me saying I've never been a fan of Tai Chi in the junior heavyweight division, but ever since he moved to the heavyweights, he's looked better. He's preferable in the heavyweights. Yeah. I like them. Because the, the, there's more options to do that style of what he's doing. It could be in the junior heavyweight style. People in their minds, we expect a certain kind of wrestling. When we say junior heavyweight, we're all different. We have a different impression. But junior heavyweight in general implies, a, in a lot of fans' minds, high-flying or high-intensity or like innovative, new, alternative wrestling. Like Generally, not traditional, in, more or less. And Taichi uses a lot of traditional uh, techniques. He's really old school bad guy in a lot of ways but putting him in the heavyweight division allows him to use the more quote classical heel style and it just fits more in this context so maybe it'll be okay i don't know let's stay open to it but i, I just can't imagine i'm wondering at the end of this uh tournament how we're gonna rate these matches compared with other uh, G1s is, I don't know if this is like the end of an era of the summer of four or five star matches or they're, I mean, new Japan's obviously taking a new approach and uh, they're picking and choosing how long these matches go. And there's, there's, I don't understand the full layout yet. Well, that's too soon to tell, but we'll just have to keep watching, but it's interesting for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it couldn't have said it any better. <laughs>
And on that note, I'm Justin for Carlos and Fight Game Media. We'll see you on Saturday or Sunday, whenever we get to it. See ya. All right, Justin and Carlos will be back this weekend as the G1 kicks back up uh, on the weekend. And um, they'll, they'll, they'll be back with shows after every show, unless, you know, something, something may come up and they may have to combine a couple nights. But I know that their goal is to record a podcast after every show when they're actually able to get up and watch it and then record. So they're doing uh, they're doing a lot of work. So congrats to those guys for uh, for the work so far. And I know they're continuing to do a good job. And I can I can tell that the, the chemistry is just getting better with every show. So let's talk about these AEW and NXT shows. I want to start with NXT because I'm interested in your thoughts on the booking of NXT heading into TakeOver. Now, I don't look at NXT as like, you know, they're not the ROH pure tournament when it comes to their style. Nobody is except for ROH. But I looked at the booking for this show, this upcoming TakeOver, like from a sports perspective, and I was kind of wondering what you thought, especially about the main event, which is going to be Finn Balor uh, against Kyle O'Reilly. But they did a gauntlet match, and we'll talk about we'll talk about that more in detail when we get to our likes and dislikes. But the gauntlet match featured guys who were either on coming off of losses. Or someone like Kyle O'Reilly, who's been in a tag team and really hasn't been doing anything singles related. Or someone like Bronson Reed, who's wins one, loses one, wins one, loses one. But it's it's obvious that he's kind of on the ascent. And when you're creating a new contender for a championship, there was not one person who stood out from a wins and losses standpoint where you're like, yep. That's the guy who's got to go and and win, you know, got to go into the main event because he's on a run. Like everyone, like the, I had no idea who was going to win that match. Some of, I mean, that's kind of cool too when you don't know what's going to happen. But I was just kind of wondering your thoughts on like just the whole build to that thing where they were trying to create a contender, but I didn't feel like any of those five guys were actual contenders. They try to do, they try to do something different. They try to add some new blood into the. A heavyweight scene, a heavyweight title scene, um, a fresh matchup, and you know they got big plans for Kyle O'Reilly as the singles, and um, and I think I mean I like the matchup. I thought I, I for some reason I didn't even think about Kyle O'Reilly. I thought maybe Kashida was going to be the favor, but then I remember he's feuding with Dream, and that came into play in the match. Um, you know they didn't have much time to build to this uh, takeover show. You know it's just. Um, I'm not sure why they decided to do one in October. Maybe, mm-hmm. just, maybe the 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 higher ups of the network and we're just like, hey, we want another network special here, you know. So yeah. And then this is your job to fill it, and and that's what they're doing. They're doing their job. Um, but yeah, it, it, almost, it almost seems from a booking standpoint that it was like it snuck up on them or something mm-hmm. because they tried to, you know, what generally if you're a fan of NXT, you kind of understand how they book and sort of the slow builds into the what their matches are going to be and they like combined like six weeks of television in these last two weeks yeah, to try and yeah. find these contenders yeah yeah that's, that's the only thing i kept thinking about was maybe they 
you know, the the, the higher ups are just like, hey, we we, we want to do another network special. We have Clash Champions this weekend, and now we want to come back with another one. So here you go. This is what you're going to be. We need you to fill the card. So yeah, um, I I'm, I'm like I said, I like the result. I like the I like the idea. I didn't know who's going to win either, so I kind of like that. I was curious about that, and um, I was surprised by Kyle Riley. But then I'm looking at the matchup. And I'm like, that's going to be like really fun. You know, it's, it's going to be a great match. It'll, it'll be great because Finn's, Finn's on a roll this year and Kyle's really good. So it, it's, uh, I hope they get, they probably will get a lot of time. So I hope they get like 20, 25 minutes because they can fill it and keep it entertaining. Okay. Let's, let's start as we talk about it. We'll, we'll do NXT first. Let's start with the dislikes more because. Yeah, I got more I, dislikes than likes for sure. So uh, I, I thought both shows were a little flat. I thought there was a lot of unevenness in both shows, I th- but it wasn't last week we were just talking about how great both shows yeah, were. It was last week was awesome compared and, to this. And week. no, I'm, I'm and I'm watching this week and I'm like, what the hell happened? Like, what the hell? I probably should have caught up on G1. You know, that's well, there, I, there, I mean, a couple of things did happen. So just you know, happen be, because of the health, which is mm-hmm. WWE had a COVID outbreak. AEW lost. Uh, their main event for this week because of COVID nineteen. So, so there, there is they, they, there are things that caused you know problems, but they have um, COVID I, I don't too, know how huh? much is that to blame AEW because I saw Serena Deeb just announced that she has COVID and she couldn't. Serena be. Deeb, um, who's who's the kid that uh, Ben that Carter had, Benjamin ben Carter. Carter had it. Yeah, so. There is a thought that people who had worked Warrior Wrestling, mm. it could have been from there, which makes me a little worried because you know. There's a lot of there's a lot of top guys, top top indie guys who were, Jeff worked Warrior Wrestling not that long ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that that's kind of scary to think that if it did come from there. So yeah, you know both both companies had some positives. I from what I understand, WWE is um, a mix of maybe coaches and talent, and the, the that number there's a number from the first time they had the outbreak that was really high. It was like thirty something. From what I understand, this number but is not that high. It's as, not as, as it's not as high of people who have it compared to people that were close by and they're just quarantined for safety, right? You know, you know what I mean. Like if you're around it, around someone that had it, you you know, you quarantine yourself, and if you have the symptoms, and then you get tested, or everyone's gonna get tested. But you know, like it's it's they kind of that's why there's like no fans there, like you know, no, you know, quote unquote the wrestlers, I and mean, that's what yeah. I didn't realize it to like. After the women's battle room, I'm like, wait, there's no one in the audience. And yep. then I remember what was going on. So, yep. which did take the show down, you know, yep. brought the yep. energy down. It was a, it was, it's a, a bad night for both shows and a very rare bad night for both shows. So uh, I hope next week's better. All right. So let's start with the dislikes. Like I said, I thought the women's battle royal was really bad. It sucked. Yeah. It was, it was a, I, I don't even like to use this term uh, a, a jobber battle royal. I don't like to use the term jobber because I don't. I'm not, I'm not in in wrestling, and that seems like if you're in wrestling, you can use that term. But I didn't know half of the women, and you could tell that most of those women that were in that match weren't really ready for for TV. And so, to me, like when the women who were, who were really good had to work with those other women. It just brought the really good women down. I just thought that whole match was really bad. 
I, I don't agree. I, I didn't like Candace winning, but that's neither here nor there. That didn't change my view or or enjoyment of the Battle Royal. It just looked like um, it looked like a bunch of rookies in a match thrown together. And uh, there, there were a couple of good sequences. Like there was the the stuff um, at the end where they were trying to be creative uh, in, in getting Shotzi out of the match. Um, who's the, who's the woman who was doing the, who, who was the John Morrison, uh, Kofi Kingston doing the Casey? stuff. Yeah. Casey, Casey Canizoro. Yeah. She was doing some really cool stuff and, you know, Caden Carter. So there was okay stuff, but just as a match, like this was just bad news. Yeah. It was just snake bit and it's just a bad night and get it over with and get out. It, I, I didn't, I understand they, they, they packed it with, um, some of the students that, they have on the coming up on the performance center and they also use some local talents um from florida there and they they stack those people in there because they're doing the you know ria's throwing one one girl out another and, and raquel gonzalez is throwing the other another girl out so then they're building up their confrontation i much rather have them just leave out the job girls because mm-hmm. they they were scared they were nervous they didn't know what to do and um you know they're trying to be safe with them when they threw them over the top ropes, and it looks fun- funky. Even that when you know, the Rainbow Bright girl got <laughs> when Rhea threw her out. I don't think that was a that wasn't. I don't think she really had a good night after that. And um, it just and then even not, even I don't know. Like Rhea was off, and and the, when her and Raquel went over the top rope, and they started brawling. It looked bad. It didn't it didn't get me excited about seeing that match as it did when they had their face off. You know, about three weeks ago, whatever that was, three or four weeks ago. So. I do love Raquel's look, though. Yeah, I know she has a great look, and I think she has a lot of potential. But I just think like like almost like it like it felt snake bitten, like this mm-hmm. it was sucking, and then even their performance, you know, went down with it. And then you know, they, I know they try to get creative with. I mean, Casey Canizaro stuff that's that's fine, that's fun stuff, right? For the Battle Royal, I mean, I didn't have a problem. But the finish, I thought too, was just just so over the top and setting it up with the steps and. I don't know. I just in that. I mean, I mean Shotzi did a really crazy bump off the steps. It looked that looked good, but and it was it was different than this. I was just about to have them go have like a little match, you know, and just make it exciting, and and then and then just go over the top rope with Shotzi. But uh, Candice winning it, like I have fun. She's beating EO, which I'm not too happy about. This I, I just I kind of. I kind of hope EO keeps it because I think EO is so versatile. She can work yeah. heel, baby face, and she can have good matches with anyone, uh, no matter what their skill level is. Uh, as we saw just last week with Shotzi, how she was able to bring Shotzi up. And and now, if Candice wins it, I don't know if Candice is that girl. Candice yeah. needs someone that's really good to to be a dance partner with. Yeah. So, But I can see what they're going to do. I can see I can see Johnny Gargano losing to Damian Priest. I can see Candice winning. And I can see that dynamic where it's the Johnny Gargano, the Garganos, but it's the Johnny Gargano first show, right? And Candice is there on the side. But I think it's going to be like, because she's a champ and he's not, it's going to be Candice's show. And Johnny's going to be like kind of jealous about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and I... That's why I kind of, my gut, I can see like a writer being really into that, you know, a, tale, a television writer being into that kind of story. I hope it's not the case. Like I said, I hope EO retains because I really want to see them eventually go back to EO and Rhea in a one-on-one. I really want to see that matchup. So what do you think of, okay, so we, we watched uh, 
Rhea and Raquel in the cage match. And that didn't, it doesn't, it, at least it doesn't seem like it, it doesn't seem like it settled the conflict. It looks like they're going to keep going. I, I just wanted Rhea to win this match and to have a one-on-one match against EO. Like, if there's a match in NXT that I want to see more than anything else, I think that's the match. And I'm not sure we're going to get that match. Um, I mean, I'm sure we'll get it. I hope it's for the title. I hope it's not for a number one contendership deal. Um, I could see it happening in the TakeOver in November, possibly. You know, if they do... Uh um, is she still like a champ? One or the other is going to go up to the main roster before we get that match. Possibly. That could happen too. You never know when their number is going to be called and they can be a resistance, whatever they are. <laughs> T-ball <laughs> retribution, and shank and uh, 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 butterfly knife. and well, oh yeah, Retribution, that's right. And I know. Don't even get me started with that. I, I've, I'm, I'm keeping my happy place with just watching NXT and, yeah. and AEW and, um, you know, your G one matches, G one matches, and some sprinkle some old stuff here and there. So, you haven't had a chance to check out the ROH Pure stuff, though, right? No, uh, Justin Nipper sent me uh, a, a link to the first night, and I watched the opening like video. Like I watched like the first fifteen minutes of it, and I really liked what they were doing. They set the rules up, they explained the history of the title, showed old footage. It was really well done. Um, I hear it's great. I know I, I would love to find time to catch up. And every time I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna do an ROH night. I'm gonna and I'm gonna watch mm-hmm. this. I end up like falling asleep. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so tough. not not that not not that I need you know not that I'm trying to push people to listen to that John Moxley interview though. If you if you haven't, definitely give it a shot. But he and I were talking about Bloodsport, and he was talking about um, what could pro wrestling incorporate from MMA, and he mentioned like those knockout finishes. And I was telling him how you had a couple of those on your shows for premiere and how like us in the audience and, and you know, that there was some families there at premiere, but there were also some really smart wrestling fans who, you know, were uh, watching this stuff with a very keen eye. And we were like, wait, real Mm -hmm. concussion. What's going on here? Because it, you don't see that. And so I don't I don't know if ROH Pure is doing any of that because I haven't seen any of it at all. But that the, when he mentioned, you know, those kind of flash finishes, it reminded me of you. And so then I thought, you know, well, this this ROH Pure might be right up John's alley. But and I and before I watch it, I want to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, I'm if gonna, I get a chance. To I'm going to try to to watch that episode that Justin sent me because, uh, like I said, I really like the opening. I really like what they were setting up. Um, you know, you know what? One thing I want, I, I never got the book at premiere because we shut down, but I always wanted a book, a main event where it took like one shot and the guy was beat. I wanted to do that. I wanted to do like a quick, I want to do like a, a Anderson Silva, Vitor Belfort match, right? Where it just mm. boom, one big kick and it's over. Like, holy yeah. cow. Or Connor and Aldo. Like, yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to do that. And I, and I didn't think it was the right time to ever pull that trigger, but I felt like. And plus, like, man, you have to have the right person that wants to do that because yeah. there's yeah, ego yeah, to fall. Yeah, you got to yeah, massage totally. it and talk to him. Well, okay, so Jeff Cobb was very willing to do some of that stuff, mm-hmm. and he yeah. was your biggest star. Yeah, he put over Tyler Bateman. I had Tyler Bateman knock him out, and um, or, you know, that's the finish we... We, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people thought he was knocked out, which was great. Because I, so. I was there and I thought that. I, well, yeah. not that I thought that, but I think I immediately texted you. I was like, mm-hmm. wait, 
He's okay, right? <laughs> I know. I always think Jeff's hurt too. He always gets me too, and I'm using. I'm using. I'm in on halftime, but like it's just it's. You know, I saw an opportunity with Tyler Bateman. He's like, just at the time was a like, you know coming up and and um, potential and. Jeff is was getting busier with outside bookings and stuff, and I was like, "Hey, man, can you put this kid over?" And he was, you know, he, he's willing to do it because he's such a true pro. Oh yeah. And then uh, they and they did it in a great way of the knockout and everything. So, but yeah, man, I always wanted that main event match to be built up, and then the big, a big, the big uh, finish. I also wanted to book a liver shot finish. Mm. Um, I remember um, Tom Lawler. I was we were when we first started corresponding and. I saw one of his pro wrestling matches. He was, you know, getting back on the indies, and he and he did a, sh- uh, he just did a great sell in a liver shot. Like he went down, and I just like, remember complimenting. Like, I just love that. He's like, oh man, I'm glad you got it. <laughs> you know, like you know, cause it, it's but it's an education process. It takes mm-hmm. time. You're not gonna be able to do this um, with one one show. So you know, you know, the first time I saw a liver shot work in uh, in an actual fight, it boxing. wasn't even an MMA. It was in boxing. Yeah, boxing. Yeah, it yeah. was uh, Bernard Hopkins. And Oscar De La Hoya, he knocked Oscar De La Hoya out in like mm-hmm. the eighth round with a liver shot. And I love the liver shot too because it's just a delayed reaction a lot of times. Like I've I've seen an MA plenty of times where a guy gets hit in the liver and he's backing up and also like oh what what's that you know and he just collapses. Yeah. So I just I wanted to book something like that too and get people talking. Just never got the opportunity. Maybe one day. Maybe one day soon. All right, I told you off air. I'm like, let's get through this stuff quick because we got Justin's show, and we're already like way off of the ball game. So, mm-hmm. what, what what was uh, another one of your NXT dislikes? Um, I didn't like the Jake Atlas to, uh, Tomas Chompa match uh, for many reasons. I thought the match was too competitive, and I thought uh, you know Chompa should have destroyed him not as bad as he did the first time, but I think he should have beat him convincingly. Um, yeah, I love Jake Atlas. You know, got to work with him APW, see his him come up there. It's just not his time right now. It's more mm-hmm. his top Chompa's time. And I was just pissed because right in the opening entrances, you know, Atlas got killed the last time these two guys got in a ring and got sent in the hospital and stretchered off. And he comes in there and he just goes to the top rope, does his pose to the hard cam, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, dude. This is a freaking grudge match. Why is anyone giving you that direction? Someone said, no, like, fight, fight. He could have came out there, run out to the ring. His music hits. He's running out. And then Ciampa tries to cut him off as he jumps in the ring. But maybe, you know, Atlas backs up, catches, you know, you know, tricks Ciampa for a bit, gets the upper advantage a little bit, pulls him out, and they start fighting a little bit. But then Ciampa just takes over and beats him. And it didn't have to be so damn difficult, like, it's really frustrating. I hate that shit. I hate when there's a, a grudge and these guys come out and they're still doing their poses. I just, it's just, I know it's who, wrestling. Who is he it. posing to? Is was my question. I know because no obviously fans, there's you know. there you know the hard to the TV viewers or TV whatever. Viewers. But you know there there were no there were literally like no fans there to do that to. It's just it's to the TV viewers, but at the same time it's like come on, like that was a really bad, really bad thing. I I, I was so frustrated and, I, and honestly that just took me out of the match at that point and then like the det should have been a finish um i think jake alice took his uh finisher wrong it didn't look that good um it went like i said went too long was that a is it a tape show because that wasn't live right i mean live to tape i think they taped it earlier well how how come they just didn't like fix it i mean it didn't look horrible but also i know you know because it's a flat you know you flat bump you don't you don't you don't turn around and take it on your back so um but that was like that was that was not even the biggest deal. It's just the whole 
layout of the match was completely wrong. Okay, my my other one uh, was the explanation of this tag team. Same here. Match. We have the same. We have the same freaking list. <laughs> Holy cow! Um, this convoluted tag team contenders match. Yeah, this con- is- convoluted. Okay, I get Fandango's a little bit of a goofball. I was I was okay with that. But why is Regal like buying all of this stuff? And 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 I and I guess it is a little bit too. Uh, to what he's been doing because he's been putting together all these crazy matches, all these multiple man all matches. Like, like that's his bo- that's his booking, his matchmaking recently. So I guess you know that version of William Regal, he he's going to buy that. But yeah, I was like, I didn't understand it when I first saw the promo. I was yeah. like, I'm not sure I understand what's going on, and I didn't really understand it until the guys got in the ring. Um, I understood it as Birch was explaining to like they had a good gag there right I thought that was funny I laughed but at the same time I'm like this is stupid you know like the the, the little the little the little joke you know I found it entertaining didn't save it for me because it's just such a convoluted thing um, they could have done this way way simpler and this, this is what I would have done right because next week is going to be Undisputed Air, which is going to be Roderick Strong and Bobby Fish mm-hmm. versus uh, Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch, which is going to be a great match. I mean, it should be. I mean, the, those guys are all phenomenal. So you just announced that next week there is a number one contenders match between Danny Birch and Oni Lorcan versus Undisputed Era for a tag team title shot at TakeOver on October 4th. But tonight... Roderick Strong and Danny Birch want to go at it and fight, and we'll see who comes out and who can carry that momentum into the tag match next week. And, like, let them go out there and have a good singles match because, you know, they guys can, a hard-hitting singles match. Instead of this no-one's-getting-along BS, and, mm-hmm. I mean, they're all talented. They're all four talented guys. It wasn't The match wasn't bad, but, like, just the whole idea behind it. I didn't think it – They I think it was – they thought too hard. It was. It could have been a lot simpler to get to their point where they wanted to get to. All right. What What else was there? Anything else on your list? Now the match. Yeah, I have one. The Ridge Holland versus the Job Guy mm-hmm. uh, on there. Um, that was on my list too. Um, the match was fine. I mean, for what it was, you know. But but again, simpler, shorter. First of all, ass of Job Guy. Do you know how to punch? Who was like, that guy? He's a local guy from Florida. He should be collecting tickets, but like he, he's like running in with his hands down, like doing well, like. <laughs> and then he throws these punches, and Ridge is still so green, so he registers a little bit instead of no selling him. But instead of like having him come, the the job guy come in and get a clothesline, he's oh my god, he's he's gonna he's, he's gonna get a quick jump start on Ridge before he gets killed. No, the guy let the guy run into Ridge, but then Ridge just pounces him and just. Shoulder tackles him, bam! Knocks him on his ass, flies across the ring, hits the ropes. He's doozy. He's, he's all he's all woozy. Job guy sells up. Big clothesline. No spin bump, please. I'm tired of freaking spin bumps. Just a mm-hmm. big, solid clothesline. And then he picks him up for the Northern Light Bombs and pins him. I know they they're, they want some time so the commentators can tell a story about Ridge and everything, but you did a vignette earlier in the night. Which I, I, I actually thought that was pretty 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 well done the, yeah the vignette was great i liked the vignette it's actually in my likes and i all i know about ridge holland is what you've told me i don't know anything about mm-hmm. what nxt has told me and now they told me yeah so i really like that yeah so um 
he already did the vignette with some back history of his rugby career and everything. And, you know, just his mentality. But he has a long entrance, right? The slow walk, the pose. You can get a lot in during that segment. You don't, the match doesn't need to be long enough so you can start, you know, adding some, you know, backstory. You could have just accomplished anything faster and not have Ridge just even register for this guy who couldn't throw a punch. I mean, I could throw a punch, work punch better than that guy. Horrible. Yeah. So uh, we we agree. Was there anything else? That was, was that it. it? No, that was okay. It. Yeah. That was that was it for me too. Oh my god. So, this is crazy. <laughs> I, mean, I, don't know, I think our AEW might be a little bit different, but uh, I have yeah, a long I'm, list. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna guess. So. Let me guess, guess which so. list is longer: the likes or dislikes. So be... um, okay. So for the likes, I'll, I'll I already mentioned the Ridge Holland promo that was on my likes. Mm-hmm. I really oh, liked it. it. It was it was just exactly what I needed to see about him. Especially if I hadn't talked to you about, because then I would know nothing. But um, so, Damien Priest is on my list. It is more for his presence, his star power. I don't. I, I sense he's kind of hearkening back to like 1999 Rock a little bit. You know, as as everyone sort of copies that guy because he's cool. He's uh, you know, he he's he likes the ladies. Mm-hmm. He's tall. He wears the sunglasses. I love the presence. I, I mean, I watched a lot of those. You and I, you know, were at Meltzer's house watching those ROH pay-per-views and, you know, Punishment Martinez was on a lot of those shows. He is so much better now. Um, yeah. He's way more polished. His character is excellent. Like, I, I know that, you know, he's he's probably a little bit older than than we realize, but I think he's got an opportunity to be... Maybe not the next guy, but the next next guy when they actually get there. Yeah, no, he's great. I like his whole his whole uh, his whole shtick. I love the entrance. I love his work. I love his confidence. I love his voice. Um, I like his attitude. I think it's he's his transition to a babyface with that attitude has worked really well. I, I I mean he was a ladies' man as a heel too there was vignettes with him and a bunch of women around and mm-hmm. you know the club guy you know at a club and you know just almost like a vampire-ish kind of character but um but now, now you know now he's just he's still he's still lazy man he's jumping in with uh the spas with joey janelle's girlfriend you know and uh he's do- <laughs> he's doing all that so uh he's uh you know he's uh he's great and i i like this match austin theory i thought it was a good match you know uh, austin's got to win a couple soon though i i think they're from what i gather that the johnny gargano austin theory thing might be continuing so um i like that i just couldn't believe how i know johnny's not the tallest guy in the world but man they use the opposite (laughs) they use the opposite andre giant shot they didn't go down and up they went like down uh, up and down and johnny just looks so small and i had (laughs) to I had to text someone and say, hey, man, how tall is Austin Theory? I got, what do you think? He's maybe 5'11", 6 foot, right? Maybe. I don't know. He looked too bad with Priest, though. So, um, Priest's pretty tall. But I like this match. It was solid. You know, Austin Austin has a ton of potential. And I think I think I can see that, like, losing some and then having some competitive matches and then getting with, like, a Johnny Gargano who's, like, going to mentor this kid. And, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe he can turn Babyface out of it or something. They could feud or... Whatnot. I, let me tell you, I, I didn't put this on my dislikes, but I, I don't know about Johnny Gargano and as I, I don't know, I was, I was hoping for something different with uh, Priest to defend the title at, at Takeover. Mm-hmm. I was hoping for the Bronson Reed match because Bronson has a win over Damian Priest. So, yeah. 
And now you just have Johnny there. But like I said, I think Johnny's losing. And I think, like I said, I think, you know, Candace is winning. So I think they might have like fun with the Garganos and, you know, at home where Candace is the queen now because she's the champion and Johnny's like frustrated because he lost again. Yeah. 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 Uh, and that would make sense. I, I mean, you know, EO doesn't have to be the champion and she can either go up or she could then, you know, go back on a rampage to win it again. Like, that's fine. Uh, Candace is okay in her role. I just, I, I just wanted to see Rhea. That that was my that was my thing. All right, um, what was uh, what was on your likes list? I mean, I like the gauntlet match. I like how it was. Uh, I thought it was well done. Um, it wasn't when it was over. I didn't feel like, oh man, this is like a barn burner and everything. But like I said, this whole thing, this whole show was probably snake bitten from the COVID stuff. Yeah. <laughs> this is start with that battle royal. Yeah, I know. It just so maybe they just took the steam out of my set. It just took steam out of me, and I was like, I, you know, honestly, I would have rather watched a singles match between the last two guys because I thought oh, that stuff's yeah. really good. The layout of the match was um, as I, once I saw the first two, I thought the layout was exactly what I would have done. I mean, you know, I mean, people probably thought maybe Thatcher would have been better as the third guy in, but you got to change the game you gotta change a different style that's where Bronson Reed comes in and I thought he did well with with both uh Kushida and, and O'Reilly um all all five guys had really good chemistry Thatcher looked really good um Cameron Grimes was a perfect guy to be last with uh Kyle Riley because you know you need a, a good heel and he's a tremendous heel tremendous worker too as well and they've worked together before and they have chemistry together so um I liked I liked it I mean I liked the match I just Maybe if I wasn't in a, such a funk, maybe I would have liked it even more. But mm-hmm. it still was a—I think it was good quality. You know, it's good. It could—it saved it from being a total. What the fuck's going on this show? You know, kind of deal. You know, they did do something that I thought was a little weird, and it was kind of like, do they really want me to care about all these guys, or do they only want me to care about some of these guys? The the commercial happens, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, Thatcher's in the ring, and I'm like, oh, I missed his entire yeah. run in. And then a second later, then Cameron Grimes comes in. And like, I get it. Like, they're like, oh, yeah, th- this, some of this match happened behind the commercial because, you know, we're trying to pretend that this is a live match. They could have fudged it a little bit, though. And I don't think the fans would have cared that much. I would have loved to see a little bit more of Thatcher. And then, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I felt like it made him feel a little bit less important. Yeah. I'm, I'm always for showing the entrances. I make the time for that because. It just, yeah, just, just like, 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 I get pissed off every time I watch AEW and they just show Jungle Boy out there in the mm-hmm. ring. You know, it's that same, same difference here. I thought they should have sh- show the entrances for, for Thatcher and stuff. So, yeah. And, and, like, and same with AEW, same with NXT. If it's taped, mm-hmm. like, you know, you, you can be a little bit more creative with that stuff. You know, if it's live, I, I get it. Like, you're having a live show and you have commercials, then there's some stuff that you're going to miss. But if it's taped, like, let's let's try to fit some of that stuff in. Or take something out that you can fit it in, you know? That yeah. Didn't need, or, or like I said, shave some time. Like I said, Rich Holland and the job guy didn't need to be that long. And, you know, the Battle Royal. You know, the Battle Royal, that shit done. It just took all those girls out that weren't ready. I just had a, a smaller battle royal, but a lot more action. You know, that's what that's that's what. And I know they want to do the thing with the big girls, the, the two big power girls going at it. But mm-hmm. was it worth it? No. <laughs> and you're like, oh man, we shouldn't have done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. What was also? I, I went through all the all the stuff on my likes. That's the same same as well. 
Okay, so now we'll get to AEW, and I know you're cracking your knuckles at this one. Let's get to the dislike. Cracking first. my head and my skull because what I, 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 you know, I was like, man, after that show NXT, I watched NXT first. And by the way, Chloe heartbroken that Rhea lost. She got, oh, really? She I was playing. I kept explaining the battle rules multiple times to her, the rules. If you had to hit the floor, she was really into Casey Catazzaro, her little shtick. She really liked that. Um, she popped big when Rhea came out for her entrance. I was like, Chloe, come here. I hit pause, unpause. You know, the music hit. And she's like, Rhea, Rhea. <laughs> and then she goes to the top rope with Raquel and she's like, okay, yeah, get her, get her. I'm like, yeah, but she's eliminated. What? No. She's all mad. And then she was mad that Candace won because she's like, she can't be a good girl when she has wings. That's not, that's not right. Yeah. She was pretty <laughs> upset about that. So, but anyways, um, so I'm like, after this NXT show, I was just like, okay, AEW, they deserve to get their butt kicked by, by AEW, right? Like, so I'm like, okay, I hope AEW should have a good show. But then my God, what the hell? What the hell happened here? Like, they planned this out. That's the sad part. They had this plan. They all thought they all signed off on it. Who? My goodness gracious. Let's go over this thing. I have a lot of dislikes. So, and one one like I have one like. Um, Paul Fontaine. He mentioned his young daughter when she cried. It was when Shotzi got eliminated. Oh man, no, no. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Um, okay, so let's chit chat about these um, about these uh, dislikes for AEW. So I'll start first. The first match. Yeah, too, oh what the my hell? God! Are you take my notes? I got my notes written out here. You must have given my email. Okay, so Kip Sabian and our I, I i i guess he's just miro he's supposed to be like our the friend best miro. man miro the best man miro against joy janela and uh sunny kiss your favorite tag team and like nothing went right in this match like everything they tried to do there was some sort of botch or some sh- sort of injury or some sort of breaking of kayfabe <laughs> and everything went wrong in this match Honestly, to me, I thought Sonny Kiss was the best person in this entire match because everyone else had like botch after botch after botch after botch, and ah, uh, I, I, I mean, I felt really bad for for all of the all of the the people in this no, match. It was just I don't feel awful. Bad. I don't feel bad at all. They all they all decided to do this bullshit. Like, first of all, blame whoever booked this. Well, I guess it's Tony Khan booked it. Like. Miro's first match. Yeah. His first match. And at first I thought he's coming out for a singles match. Then I saw his opponent. I thought, okay, he'll either kill Sonny Kiss or Joe Janela, which is fine. But then it's a tag match. I'm like, why is it a tag match? Then it's, it's you know, Joe Janela's just so bad. And then him and Sabian are trying to have a wrestling match. And, and you know, there's a point where I think Janela hits Miro, who's on the outside. You know, he changed a shot at Miro, and Miro just no-sells it. I'm like, okay, cool. Tag in and kill this guy, and mm-hmm. let's be over with. That's what it should be. But it just kept going, and it's it's just horrible. It shouldn't have been this long. It, it shouldn't they take this long to beat two geeks up. Especially, like, I couldn't see Sabian getting bumped around a little bit, right? He's the he's the little guy, and now he tags into the big guy. And the big guy just comes, big brother comes in and destroys everything, right? But no. Then it just, did Miro even... I think he was selling his ankle. It looked like a sell to me, but I know some people thought he may have hurt his ankle. I thought it was a sell. 
It was a sell because he's like, okay, I got to stand out here and wait for this idiot to jump on me. So I can't just sit here just standing waiting. So I'm going to sell like you should. That's what I thought right away. But at first I thought, hmm, maybe not. But then I saw when he was ready for that stupid spot they try to do when they try to murder Kip Sabian. Yeah. Um, he was No, fine. I, 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 I thought it was a sell. Melter and Alvarez said that they think it was legit, but he was just able to shake it off. Mm, he so, could have rolled it or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just everyone was bad in this match. Even the referee, uh, Aubrey, God, did you see that spot where, um, you know, Kip Saban does a spot where he does like uh, the, the kick to the back and it's like mm-hmm. a field goal kick and he looks off the the, you know, the distance like he made, this, made, the, made the, the three-pointer, right? Mm-hmm. So he's looking off. Miro's looking off to the fans like they're watching this, you know, you know, fake ball go through the uprights. And who's also looking through the for the ball? Good old Aubrey. <laughs> <laughs> like what the? F- <sighs> I didn't. Re- I didn't see that. It's not about you. You're the referee. All right. You got to be good quality referee. But you, it's, you're not. It's not about you in there. Stop it. That's what happens when they when they when they try to freaking put too much attention on these it's not their role and they're they're just to be officials and it's just fuck and then okay then we get back to uh, the match and what was up with that spot they were trying to do with kip sabian and joe janela on the outside like they're trying to was uh janela trying to get revenge for uh, him stealing Benelli before <laughs> or what well well this is what i was talking about in the in the kayfabe part is uh you know we talked about when when miro hurt his foot and then they did that thing where he launched him mm-hmm. janela's like you could hear him say, "Like, are you all right?" Like he says it a couple Multiple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not his job. That's not his job to 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 check on him. He could have done it in a better in a in a, a way where he rolled maybe closer to him or something. Or but you know who should have? I, I I don't even remember Audrey went out there. Did she go out there and check on him? I don't think so. I think it was a cameraman, you know, looking mm-hmm. over at him and and he was shooken up pretty bad about that. Thank God he's okay, but. Just in just match shouldn't have even happened like this. It should have been a quick squash. It should have been Miro just dominating someone. If you didn't want to be George Nelson and Kiss, give him someone else. Like it just needed to be. I mean, he looks great. Great shave. He's huge. He's, he's jacked. jacked. He's on oh the my good. God. He's on the goody good. Like oh my god. Like just he should kill people. Just boom and not kill his own partner. Some stupid spot like. I don't get this at all. Like you sign this guy to probably good money compared to some other people in your roster, and I don't know understand what the hell they're doing. They're so focused about getting Twitch over instead of getting him over. Like who cares? I don't care about his video game playing. I want. And I po- I tweeted out that night that a, a, a gif of Mr. Mc, Vince McMahon laughing about Miro's debut match. Watching, <laughs> I just because like what negotiation do you have now like hey i'm gonna go to aw and okay good here let me show you examples here's brody lee here's uh oh zach Ryder's burning it up you know like and you know oh yeah here's miro's just you know selling for this little you know uh job guy you know enjoy you know enjoy your time in aew enjoy your freedom your creative freedom that's uh, well i mean now to, to miro to miro's point i mean e- even if he doesn't do as well in aew as he did in his in his uh quality years in WWE it literally has to do with his his happiness right like if he's so frustrated in WWE and he goes to AEW and maybe he's not as big of a star but he's happier that's probably a win for him my problem with this whole thing is when you completely make this about WWE 
and if you aren't pushed better and if you aren't a bigger star in AEW, you're just proving that mm-hmm. that Vince was right and that that's the part that I didn't like about this whole thing. I mean, don't you want to see Miro and Moxley, you know, like build build him up for a big title match with whoever? I mean, not even Moxley if he's not even champion. Maybe Miro and Omega, that's fresh, that's new, but mm-hmm. not best man Miro. I don't want to see best man Miro versus anyone anymore. You know? I what I what I, uh, I literally was hoping was going to happen is best man Miro comes out and so, so the thing that I could, I, I didn't know is whenever this wedding is going to happen. If I knew when the wedding is going to happen, I can sort of figure it out. But I was like, oh, he's just going to turn on Kip like immediately and become something other than Best Man Mira. He's going to sort of use Kip as his way to get into AEW and just you know just kind of toss him aside. And that is not what they did at all. But what is? What could Miro get over by turning on a guy that hasn't been featured as strongly? You know, he's just a, you know, poor Kip's been used as a, a whipping boy to women, you know, not even to the men. The, the women are slapping him around like weekly leading up to this. So what does he get over by turning on him or destroying him? Like literally nothing. All right. So what was another one of your dislikes? I'm just going down the show for the most part. Like, Hangman Page versus Evil Uno. This match went on 11 minutes. It felt like two years. This match was forever. And, like, there's levels, people. When you're... I understand you want to do a competitive match here and there, but not 11 minutes and back and forth and blah, blah, blah. It's the the weakest member of the team, you know? Like, the, the you know... It's 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 the guy in the mask who doesn't look like much. Like Paige should not have trouble with this guy as, as he did. It shouldn't. This match should not go through a break. It should be a, a one seg match with Paige going over with his finisher, and you can still do all. You, Mega really didn't add too much to it. If Mega doesn't care about doing tag matches, sure is busy watching matches. Pages matches right. It's just it's just done. They're probably teased to getting back together. He'll turn on them or something stupid. But well, I, I have two thoughts about this. A, the, I, I will repeat what I always tell you, which is they they like competitive matches. They don't want to do squashes. That is just their strategy. Whether you like it or not, that's just kind of what their mentality is. Second, I think the length of this match was probably more for Kenny Omega than it was for Adam Page because Kenny Omega was busting out the wisecracks in this uh in his play by play more so than even last week. And I think he's um you know he so they're telling that story at the same time he as, at, as, as Page is is doing it. So the I, I don't disagree about the length. I thought the match was a little long but the match was actually on my likes list uh, as as a fourth like it wasn't in mm-hmm. in my top 3 but just from the standpoint of I, I i just love page going out there beating guys he should beat and at some point there's going to be a stat that says adam page just won like 13 matches in a row and he's for number one you know for a title shot like that's going to happen at some point because he's winning these matches in um not not in a subtle way, but in a way where they're not overly selling that he's winning this these matches. So I I, I like sort of the slow build for him uh, to to do whatever they're going to do. But I I think he's I think he's one of the few guys who they have that can actually become 
a pretty big star considering, you know, that they're they're not getting 2 million viewers every week. They're getting about 800 to 900,000. So that that ceiling is a little lower than say in WWE, but I think he's I think he's one of those guys that pretty soon, you know, we're we're going to have him up there with uh with the top guys. He should. I mean, he's talented and he was hot and he he's, he's felt like, man, this is they they're onto something here with the Cowboys shit and all that kind of stuff and then this how this whole program with you know the turn and the costing the young bucks a match it's just been it lost it for me like this match good six minutes should have been fine should have been dominant omega could have said everything he needed to say in this match in that time he was just at one point not saying much anyways because the guys are doing they're calling the match my favorite part of the match is is when um they did the e uh the evil spot from new japan where you know the guy goes a kick evil evil grabs a leg and gives mm-hmm. it the referee when the referee drops it the next time yeah yeah well, the, <laughs> well, well the, before that before that is the you, you know it's jim ross didn't call any of that that was just yeah. like the because he knew those bullshit. It was stupid, and then and then they do, they do it again for then now. Now Paige is going to get revenge, right? He's going to get revenge and do it to to evil Uno and Rick Knox whiffs on the catch. <laughs> but Omega, Omega was pretty quick on that, though. Oh yeah, he had to because it, <laughs> it, it was you know to their credit though they didn't like sit there with their you know hands on their hips and be upset like they yeah. went right to the next spot. So I give kudos for that, but. Again, a little too, a little too long, man. We saw a long one with Kazarian, which fine, I guess. It could be, it could have been a little shorter I, I'll, as well. I'll, I'll tell you, a lot of people really love that match with Kazarian. I get it, but like I said, there's levels, and you gotta put like it's you you gotta put people over. And I think Paige right now needs to get over back to where he was at Cowboy shit, badass, where I was really digging him. I I want to see him get an edge again. You know, I want to see him get that edge again. Maybe he's trying to find his edge, but God, he can't find against Evil Uno of all people. Jeez. All right, so my next one is um, the women's tag. <laughs> That's on my list too. They were lost. <laughs> there there was a moment, and this this is on Twitter. So if you want to go uh, on Twitter, is it um, Cheetah? No, no, no. There was a tag. And I'm trying to remember if it was Ivalice tagging um, Diamante or the other way around. But basically, there's a tag, and they do a double team move. And then the person who is supposed to be in the ring actually goes back to the outside. (laughs) And the person who's supposed to be outside covers the wrestler. Mm -hmm. The referee counts. And then the person who's supposed to be in the ring realizes... Mm -hmm. That they're supposed to be in the ring, and after the two count, they walk in and they just switch places. Yeah, there's a lot of funkiness in the show. Yeah, that this this match was bad, very bad. Uh, Ivelisse is not good at all. Diamante's like taking a step back. I, I don't know if you you probably remember this, but like Diamante did like she was brought in like an NXT and did like a job to someone, mm-hmm, but I like, don't remember. But looked really good and. Took some great bumps and made that whoever she put over, I think it was Peyton, maybe Peyton Royce or Billy Kay or something like that. And people are like in the back, we're like, wow, man, who's that girl? Let's talk to her. Let's bring her back. Mm-hmm. And she signed with Impact, right? So, uh, and then she, I know she hurt her leg and all that stuff. And, and, you know, but it, it took her, I think, a while to get back. But that just, this, just these, all these four women had no chemistry. She does expose when she's not in there with someone that can kind of, you know, 
carry the load. And um, that finish were like, what? Why could the finish just be the Falcon Arrow and that's it? Yeah, they had her kick out or a save again or trying to have this classic match. It didn't have to be like that. You know why? It's because they only had one women's match on the whole show. No, so they got to spotlight thing. them. It's probably a good thing. And then what, and what, what are we building to? Just another Thunder Rosa Sheeta match, I guess, right? Is that what I guess. But by, by the way, did you see the Tuesday night show? Yeah, I, well, I watched the first two matches because... Uh, because the NBA post show went mm-hmm. long, so my DVR only taped. It was I knew it was going to run out during the Sean Spears Matt Sidon match. I didn't even. Start did that. what? What did you think of Anna J? Um, they had a well laid out match. You know, they can't. I don't fault them for with with Brandy. I, I can't fault them for laying it out smartly, and you know, they're obviously well practiced. And you know, she um, she showed more personality. Anna J did with her uh, as a heel. Um, so yeah, you know she, you know she has, she she's very green, but I mean she has potential. You know she's looks great and she's so young. I mean just gotta give her time. I I don't know if she'll get that time in AEW as fast, but you know because she's not really working with anyone, it's probably gonna help her. You know, maybe Serena Deeb, she does like matches with Serena Deeb, yeah, you know, and trains with her. Maybe she can get her mm-hmm. up to that stuff. But I mean, it's gonna take a while. It's it's hard when you're on wrestling once a you know four times a month. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't watch the match, but I you know I heard a couple of people say that it was actually way better than they thought it was going to be. So I was wondering if you watched. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. They, they, I mean, they, they, they did well. I mean, but I don't fault them for. I'm not a you know, I prefer like going out there calling a ring, whatever. But like, I it's modern wrestling today. Everyone's doing it, you know. So, um, you know, they laid it out. They laid it out smartly, and they're, they're smart because they don't want the deadly draw to happen <laughs> again on, you know, those those NBA fans that stay to watch them wrestling. Um, I thought the kid that uh, maximizes minutes on that show was that Benjamin mm-hmm. Carter kid, um, Scorpio Sky. Um, I like that kid a lot. I like how he works. I like how he tacks with his flying. Um, I've seen him. I've seen him before on indies and a guy I kept an eye on. So um, I'm glad he's an opportunity. I hope they sign him. They should. Yeah, you you would hope that. Well, you know they've been signing a lot of guys lately. So. And and they only have that one TV show, so hopefully they they get that second mm-hmm. hour or whatever that I don't know if it's going to be two hours or one hour, but 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 he's a he's a twenty something years old, twenty two. I mean, he's a kid I'd just sign and mm-hmm. invest in and and uh, put him on have dark. him there because put him on dark or you know find something for him to do. Yeah, definitely. All right, so I'll talk about uh, actually no, it's your turn. What 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 else dislikes? My next on my list is this. One of the worst promos I've ever seen in my life. Matt Jackson's promo <laughs> with what was he talking about? Is he trying to get a Razzie? Because he should win it. Um, just bad, just bad. Eyes closed, looking down. Um, <laughs> what is this? Like, you know, you know what? Remember, like everyone's like, "Oh man, I can't wait for Young Bucks and FTR." Who cares about that now? It's gone down the toilet. Like no one really wants to see that match anymore. Like it's just. They messed up. They should have just went to it as you know as 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 soon as possible on the biggest pay per view on the big show they had. Like they should have, they should have done something because it's just it's just they're 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 trying to be they're trying to be so too creative and that they keep put postponing it. Like no one no one's. I don't care. I don't it's think they're. Gonna, it's not gonna I don't feel think as they're trying to be too creative. I think they're well, yeah. holding it back. Like you know, everyone's holding their stuff back that they want fans for, and I think I think that's why I think they just want. You know, they want a building for that match because they think that's, you know, 
you know, think about those guys, right? Think about FTR and think about the Young Bucks and how they've been promoting this match that couldn't happen. And then now it could happen. Like, they don't want to do it in, you know, in front of nobody. They might be, they might be waiting to 2022. No, I agree. Unless they can do it in New Japan, where it seems like you could have at least some fans. Yeah, yeah. I can see FTR definitely going to New Japan, too. I think they have that kind of contract where they can kind of go other places. So, I'd like to see them there. That'd be cool to see some some matches there. So, the Matt Jackson promo was not on my bad list. It was also not on my, it was not also not on my good list. <laughs> um, the promo that was on my bad list was Tolly's promo. Because much like the Fandango thing, I had no idea what he was talking about. I was like, 60, you know, world title matches are 60 minutes, but we want to do them in 20 minutes. And we want to call our own, yeah. you know, we want to call our own opponents. And and if we, if the match goes to a draw, we win. I was like, what, where did this come from? What, I didn't see any tease to it. I didn't understand it. Totally just seemed to be rambling. I didn't get that at all. And like, and uh, we're gonna bring back something old, which I thought was gonna be the ten thousand dollar challenge. See, that would have been, that would have been way TV better. Champion. But what the thing they brought back with old was the Brush of Greatness tour from the Hollywood Blondes, nineteen ninety three. That's what they're doing. So, but this is stupid. Now you're saying, well, the rankings don't even mean anything, anyways. So now you just really put emphasis on it because now they can pick their opponents. They had, you know, they they make the rules now. They, you know, uh, it's just this. I had this on my list too. I didn't like this at all. Um, you know, did he get a kick out of FTR calling them backyarders, the best friends backyarders? But they set up a match next week with SCU. Mm-hmm. And then they go into this whole thing with best friends. So now you're telling me that for damn sure SCU's not winning, right? They're not going to win. The, the, the few that they're building to is best friends and FTR. That's the next thing. So they should have waited to do this after next week. After... FTR beats SEU. They can get back on the mic. They told you another team of the brush of greatness. Enjoy you old timers. You know you guys still got after you know fifty mm-hmm. years or something like that. And then they start talking about who's next, who's next. Maybe those back. I don't know about those backyarders or something like that. You know, there's some little underhanded shot to the best friends. And then you do, you know, then you can do that stupid segment that you did. You know where you know Chuck and Taylor comes out and says whatever. Um, you know they can do, but why hurt the anticipation for? The match next week, SCU, which you know should be a damn good match, but now we know it's like what they'll tease twenty minutes mm-hmm. with them, and then FTR will probably win. I'm I mean, un- unless so. the best friends interfere or cost the match, but already or, though, or the becomes first a match, three way. I, I don't know. I, 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 the first, the first <laughs> match on your brush with greatness tour is is gonna go against them. No, that yeah, was stupid. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, okay, what else is on your list? Um, Brody Lee versus Orange Cassidy. What the heck was this? You uh, you built Lee up. Or you 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 know you, you built him up. He beat destroys Cody for the title in three minutes. Takes him eleven minutes to beat Orange Cassidy, and he's bumping all around for this this guy. Unbelievable. But Cassidy, if I was Cody, I'd be but, but Cassidy's I'd, coming off of beating Jericho, which is why I think you, they had okay. to do that. He's coming off to beat Jericho to be a setup man for Cody. So there you go. That was stupid. You know, like, why'd you do all that just so we can set up man for Cody's return? You could have put anyone in this role for freaking Brody Lee to beat up. and Cody's got the juice. Cody man. to make the big turn. <laughs> and it's just... <laughs> I mean, he... 
Like that was a cool thing the way they put the belt on him on Brody Lee. That was the best thing Brody Lee's done was when he destroyed Cody. That was unexpected, and I thought that wow, that was a cool big thing. And then here they come with this, and I'm like, why would mm-hmm. you do that? I, I was thinking to myself, man, if I was Cody, I'd be pissed. But here he comes out <laughs> just running. So I guess you know he. If I was uh, sitting at home and I was injured and all this, like man, I just put this guy over for three minutes and let him kill me, and then he's having a hard time with the guy that puts his hands in his pockets. Like what the heck is going on? And then. The, the, what's rushing to a dog collar match next? The promo by Brody Lee. Why is the heel challenging the Bayface to a dog collar match? I, I didn't get that part either. I because it doesn't I, make sense. I, I, you know, this is where Cody is trying to you know harken back to 1983 or whatever it is that he's. Yeah, man, I love that match, Piper Valentine. What a classic! But they built yeah. to it, and there's yeah, a reason yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah. What happens is, you know, Cody should want comes back. He's a you know beats up the, the, the Dark Order. Now he wants a match with Brody Lee. But Brody Lee's like, I already beat you. I'm done with you. And he's running and running and running and running. He, and Cody's always trying to get at him, but he's always getting cut off by the Dark Order. He fends off Dark Order, but Brody Lee always just gets out of the, gets out of there somehow, some way. You know, throwing his minions in front of him so he can get out of there. And that's when Cody challenges him for the, or, the, yeah, the dog he, he, collar match. He, he has can't, to, no place he to has run. He has to go through some hurdles to get to that match. Like, But it's like they're rushing for October 14th. You, you talk about TakeOver being rushed, and it is. October 14th in some ways feel rushed, too, as well. So um, just, I guess October's just, let's rush, R- show rush month. Week, month, yeah. Rush month, <laughs> yeah. It's not, even, it's not even ratings week. Is that November? It's like, the, you know, so... Um, yeah, it's just it's just another like head scratcher. Like what? Like I love I love a good dog collar match, but not now. Like let's build to it. All right, what else? Oh man, did you love the Matt Hardy Party City promo? So it wasn't on my dislikes, but I did not like it. No, I mean it was it was just. Did you see Isaiah Thomas? Now they're 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 or Isaiah Cassidy, Isaiah Thomas, Isaiah Cassidy. I wish it was Isaiah Thomas. Um, Isaiah Callis, Cassidy. They're doing a match next week. He he challenged Chris Jericho yeah. next week. In this promo, and I can't believe this. Maybe we need writers over there. Maybe we need someone to say, "Hey, what are you going to talk about? Let me see what you're going to talk about." Yeah, maybe not say that and brag that you almost beat Chris Jericho twice. It's it's <laughs> like, it's it's. X-Pac against Razor, but they're supposed to be a competitive tag team. Yeah, so I didn't get that either. Like, you bragging that you almost... It's like the Giants. Like, well, we almost beat the Rockies today, but we blew it. You know, like, oh, well, shucks. But we almost did it, guys. Yeah, great for you. You know, like... And that got over, like, he he paused to get the, a pop from the... the, the I mean, crowd. I'm sure Jericho was like, happy about that. Oh, yeah, you know. It's, it, it's, it's a big thing to almost beat me. Wow. He should have said something <laughs> like that or made fun of him for saying something so stupid. And, you know, the crowd goes, huh, huh, huh. like, okay, he almost beat him. So I hope, I hope God, I hope Jericho. I, the, the one thing I smashed one this thing dude I next liked, week. If he does, but the one thing won't. I liked about both of those guys, though, when they were attempting to do a promo, it, my fear was that they were going to mumble, sort of like the thing that you made fun of uh, Quinn uh, for doing with the, with the Matt Hardy thing where, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just kind of like a deer in headlights. They made sure to kind of like take their time. They weren't going to like, you know, uh, 
mumble their words and they they were you know they were going to enunciate. So I liked that part of it, but I just didn't like what they said. Yeah, yeah, and it, I'd rather see Quinn and Jericho. You know, like they they built. I mean, they, sure they set it up sure last next. last week. It's probably next, and you know, but, but you know. T- well, I guess because Isaiah Cassie almost beat him, so he wants a match with Chris Jericho. This match should be short, but it won't be because Chris's ego is like, I'm the greatest, I can make mm-hmm. anyone, and I'm going to go out there and prove that I'm still the greatest out there. But you're not. You're not making anyone. No one gives a shit. Like, but I would give a shit if you went out there and gave a guy a little bit, but then you hit your juice effect and boom, be on your merry way. But um, I guess we're getting another, I guess we're getting a proper matt hardy versus chris jericho uh programs right whenever that that is not matt a match clear i want to see though no it wasn't a match when he was damascus i wanted to see <laughs> i mean that's a, so, maybe uh, a match if we're talking about like 2000 or I, something the year oh, 2000 oh, yeah, but not in 2020 v v v1 yeah. uh well, well yeah matt i guess hardy? 2003 um, wherever he was when matt hardy went singles but um yeah so I just couldn't believe it. I, was like, I, had to, I had to rewind him. Did you just say what I saw? He said, I almost beat you twice. I'm like, oh, man, this is tough stuff. All right, anything else? Uh, let me see. Matt Hardy, we already talked about FTR. Um, John Moxley, Eddie Kingston match. Not the match itself. The match was fine. I mean, it was just a match. Um, saving stuff for later. Obviously, even if they ever do hook up again, I'm sure it'll be, uh, you know, I think a lot of people expecting a lot of garbage, a lot of hardcore, but it was a, a wrestling match and it was fine. Um, I just didn't like the ending of it. I just didn't like them being laid out by the Lucha Brothers and Eddie Kingston. It seemed like a thing where it's like, hey, we're, we have to do this match. We want to do this match because our original main event mm-hmm. fell through. So I want to give them a ta- mm-hmm. championship match. Um, of course, they do all, you know, clean finishes there. So. I know it's like almost like a you know you can get your heat back. We'll, you'll lay out all the bay faces. I but. think there. I, I think this is what I thought was because the Archer thing didn't happen, um, so they couldn't have the tag match to set up the singles match. So they needed the singles match to set up the tag match to set up the singles match. I think that's why mm-hmm. they did it that way. But I mean, I could you could have the Lucha Bros come out and Eddie jump on Mox as what happened, and then Darby comes out should make the save with the skateboard. He takes out all three. Mox could still be selling the attack by the you know the three on one attack, but then Ricky Starks comes out and you know does his deal and lays out Darby again, and you know, and you end the show on that like. Like I don't know, I didn't see why focus on the Lucha Brothers and X Kingston when they're not going to be in this situation. Uh, unless they don't up. think that Archer is going to be back for the six way, and those guys have to be in the six way. Six way? Are they doing a six man next uh, week? Uh, that that's just what I thought based on, uh, off of the the way that that match ended. So obviously they wanted to do Will Hobbs six man tag and Darby and Mox against mm-hmm. yeah six man tag against Brent Cage and Starks. Um, and Archer, but when Archer got pulled out, like you said, they didn't want to give you a worse main event than they promoted. So an easy way out of that is to, is to give a, a heavyweight championship match, sort of fan service in that way. But what I, what I sort of felt because so 
they'll have a show, what is it, the 30th, then they'll have the Chris Jericho show the 7th, and then that anniversary show is the 14th. So you still have until the 14th to get that Moxley-Archer match going. Mm -hmm. But what I felt is maybe they think Archer is either going to be back next week or the 7th, and so they're setting up something for uh, that six-man to actually happen but because of the backwardsness of, of what they had to do, they sort of have to delay it. So they're trying to set up an opportunity for, you know, that team, Eddie Kingston's team to get over. The, that only makes sense, though, if they're in the six man. It doesn't make any sense if Archer and uh, and Cage and Starks are in the six man. So I, I don't know exactly what's going on, but that was sort of what I was thinking. But by the way, though, that was a awesome spear by ricky starks yeah he has a great spear yeah definitely and it looks good and you know he's not the biggest guy in the world so but on darby who's also a lot smaller too it it looks good yeah he has a great spear i like ricky stark he's really standing out that was a good that was a good pickup by them um but yeah it's uh you know it's i mean it was like the match was fine i didn't i wasn't i wasn't hating on the match it's just i didn't like the ending how they ended it so so one of my likes was the buildup to Kingston and Moxley. And I thought the match was rock solid. I thought the aftermath was okay. But I think, you know, the, the one of their strategies is to use social media, obviously, to set up mm-hmm. a lot of stuff. And so you see John Moxley, who almost never tweets, he tweeted that something happened and now he's going to have a title match. So... They had been promoting the six-man, and I was so excited for this six-man match. They had promoted it. It, it. They had a really great angle coming off the last show. And now, because they couldn't do it, they're using Moxley's Twitter. They're using AEW's Twitter to basically tell the fans, like, look, something happened, and we know something happened, and we want to give you something that, you know, maybe you'll see as better than that because, you know, we don't we don't want to give you something worse. And so I appreciated that. But I liked the opening promo because there's the Twitter audience and then there's the TV audience. And some of those are mixed, but there's going to be people who watch the TV show who don't have any idea what's going on on Twitter. And so Kingston had to do a promo to start that to kind of explain what's going on. Um, The thing that I, I didn't like is they basically said... Archer came into contact with someone who had COVID-19. So they didn't actually tell you that he had COVID-19, except on Twitter, he told everybody that he had COVID-19. So that was a little bit of like a miscommunication there. Uh, But otherwise, like I thought, you know, for something that was last minute, I thought he and Moxley did a really good job to sort of set up that whole thing for the end of the show. And, you know, Kingston is, he's really good on the microphone. I, I think the problem with him is that he's got to win some matches and just not be a manager. But to that audience, a lot of that audience has watched him on the indies and has seen him in TNA and all that stuff. So they know that he's not just a manager. But to a larger sort of majority, they don't really know him in that way. So unfortunately, they haven't been able to build him up much as a wrestler, though they had that little battle royal thing, casino battle royal thing in their back pocket that they we're able to sort of use as a, a, a little bit of logic to make that match. So, well, they had, they finally had corrected that error. Like, you know, that was a stupid, 
I don't know why no one realized he wasn't eliminated. I, I mean, if it, if it was a setup, then stupid. I think is a it was a mistake. Oh yeah, they got, yeah. Someone pointed yeah, it out. It was just something they had in their back pocket that they were like, we we could use this at some point in the future. Yeah, yeah, because that was I mean that that was dumb in itself. Like everyone looked bad on that. Tony Khan looked bad. The announcers looked bad. The referees <laughs> looked bad. And they not see him knock over the top rope and not you know it's just but they they try to use they try to create something out of nothing. And um, so we got that we got that through. I mean, I, I was fine with that. I mean, I, I enjoyed his fiery promo. I, I like Kingston's promo, like his his intensity. So I thought he did a good job selling the main event to me. And and um, like I said, the match is fine. I had no problem. I like to finish a little the bulldog, I love a bulldog choke. choke. Awesome. Yeah, give me a bulldog choke all all day. I just it's great. It's a great finish. You know, um, more people should use it. It, it. It's it's cool because so again, I'm gonna harken back to this interview that we did with Mox, but we talked, I don't know if you watched the Mackenzie Dern fight with Randa Marcos from, it was mm-hmm. one, of, it was the, um, the last fight night uh, over the weekend. And so strategically in this fight, we love Mackenzie Dern. I, I, I'm a big fan of hers. I know you like her, but her standup sucks. <laughs> like she's got power. Like she can hit. She stands up. She stands up to get. To yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. She's hoping. She can hit. But that is not her forte. And so she's on her feet. She's, uh, you know, Marcos has hit her in the face a couple times. And then all of a sudden, um, Dern slips. I, I can't remember if she threw a kick or she tried to throw like a, a big punch. But she slips, falls on the ground. And instead of Marcos telling her to get up so they could box, which Marcos was winning that battle, she goes down with Dern. And it's almost like, you know, it's like a snake jumping on top of a, a of a mouse i wouldn't doubt it if that was a ploy from her and, and, and just and, like we're doomed F- fedor you know and, and so dern is like okay buzzard meat like i got her this is you know barbecue chicken and has to transition into a couple of different versions of an arm bar to finally get the tap out and so <clears throat> you know i was talking to, to moxley about this match this fight and he he was such a fan of the groundwork that um you know i'm like okay like he really enjoys this part of mma and so it was great to see him continue to use submissions in his matches because you know i I don't know if um maybe it came from when he was at the g1 where he's like okay you know i want i want to have a couple of different uh finishers here but to use the bulldog choke like that's like a cool i i I don't know we don't see it often in the UFC, but it it looks like a cool visual when he actually does sink it in. So I, I like that part. Yeah, it's it's a it's it works great for pro wrestling. It's visually you can see it, you can see the person's face, you know, struggling or passing out. Um, you know, I like the head and arm choke as a, a submission hold in MA. Like a lot of times, the head and arm choke, you're you know, you're you're your belly down, or the other opponent's upwards. Just kind of looks. Doesn't look doesn't look good for pro wrestling as as a bulldog choke or a rear naked choke is pretty standard, you know. But you know, hey, it's Stranger Lewis all over again, man. So he used to finish guys with side mm-hmm. headlocks. So um, I, I like the finish. Yeah. All right. So uh, what about you? What was your one like? <laughs> I liked the Chris Jericho MGF yeah, set. That was on my I list. That too. was yeah. fantastic. Uh, really, um, they did right the this time. The timing of those you know, guys that, is amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. This was this was really good stuff and. You know, and I liked how they even because I remember noticing those damn limo drivers almost hitting each other when they mm-hmm. pulled in. Like, so I thought that they 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 made you know, Manjay made a comment about that, and I thought that this was 
the, the first segment was with you know we got you said we got a little little bit a little bit hokey you know with the split screen but this one they did right by and it was really good long and, build and uh yeah oh yeah yeah and i'm i'm more i'm excited about that match or program and i would i can't wait to see what they're gonna do and and i think those guys will be creative enough to keep it very exciting i can't believe that you did not like cody's actual return you mean uh, the guy from the Adams family with the with the, with black the, hair? With the brunette hair? Yeah, jeez, because he's so blonde, you know. Like it takes a lot to get because it probably was yet orange, you know. Probably turned orange. My wife's a hairstylist, so I kind of mm-hmm. know all these things. And uh, um, I used to always tell her, like, man, I just I see these girls are brunettes, they want to go blonde. It always turns out orange. She tells me why, because it's hard to get to that yeah. blonde. And if you don't do it correctly, and it takes over time, it's just not going to happen, you know just with one box color, you know, it, you need to go to professional and I know Cody went to professional, but like, you know, he's been peroxiding his hair for how many years now? So it, you really have to like dye it. And so he basically had to damn near spray paint that sucker. And I should show her the video. She'll probably break it down. <laughs> like what do you use and everything? You know, I should make that, a you know, the, you know, the orange hair, uh, trying to go blonde and it actually becoming orange season one, Beverly Hills, nine Oh two and no storyline. Brenda, oh, Brenda, Brenda wow. tries to go blonde because she sees Kelly and Donna as the the blondies who get all the dudes, and turns out orange. So yeah, I mean, I don't mind the return, um, the big the big fireworks show and everything. But you know, I was just so pissed off about the Orange Cassidy match and Brody Lee match. I probably didn't. You know, it was fine. It was good. You know, Cody's back. He teased it. I think he teased on Twitter. He had like a symbol. His his uh, symbol, his nightmare symbol, nightmare family symbol, like in red. And you know, like so, I figured he was coming back sooner than later. The thing that I worry about him is he's he so much wants to, you know, become this really defining era kind of star because of his dad and you know coming up with you know with randy orton and and ted jr like there was a path where if you do his career over again that maybe he actually gets to a certain level in wwe that he's um where he is kind of on that path but he stalled out and i think i I think there okay so the way that that whole thing happened my first thought was, okay, I mean, I pretty much figured it was Cody, but he's going to get to do stuff that a lot of guys aren't going to get to do for his comeback. You know, he went, rightfully so, he went through the entire Dark Order and, you know, Brody Lee's so mad that he went through all those guys. That's He challenges him to this match. But I do worry that he makes... He having a little bit of influence, a lot of influence, you know, in, in his programs. This was also Dusty's downfall, right? Like Dusty's downfall was, I am in charge, and I need to stay over as a wrestler. And at some point, the talent who was side by side with him were sort of sick of, you know, okay, you're not the same Dusty as you were five years ago yet you're still on top. And so I, I still think Cody's the goods. I, th- I still think he's a good wrestler. I think he's, you know, he he really carries himself. He does great promos. I, I am worried about sort of the same thing, though, at some point. Maybe not now, but definitely in the future. B- 
because he gets to do stuff that a lot of guys don't get to do. And it's because of, you know, a little bit of stroke and also because he's good. But there, there's going to be a time where there there are other guys who have say in that in that company. But it seems like he's the one that kind of, you know, stands out in the suit and is like, oh, yeah, I'm just sort of the de facto voice of this company sometimes. I don't know, worry about that yeah, a little bit. Let's. Well, actually, we probably need to circle back to this conversation in three yeah, years yeah, and see if we're still, if Cody's still coming out to the, you know, the whole pomp and circumstance with the fire, which is, it's, it's fine. I mean, I, I, you know, I just knew, okay. I knew it right away, but my favorite part of it was when I think Jim Ross snapped at Excalibur because I think they wanted the music to play and just him show up. And he's like, I think Excalibur charted, he's kind of like, he's kind of, uh, he's kind of like tipping his hat like you know i mean i kind of i think it went with any half a brain new as cody but like i think i think ross wanted to be were like oh my god it's cody's yeah, yeah, back yeah. and and excalibur is kind of tipping his tipping the you know kind of you know tipping his hat on that and, and ross like it's just a music plan man it's just music <laughs> plan right like he got really pissed and i loved Uncle Ross, so that was great yeah i sort of uh i sort of figured that too um Mm-hmm. So the thing, the, the the my favorite thing of that whole, his whole uh, going through the dark order. So he's in dress shoes, right? Mm-hmm. And he tries to do that that cutter off the middle rope in dress shoes. I was so worried he was gonna slip because he was so fired up, like he was on fire. And I was like, oh no, don't slip on this thing because you're wearing dress shoes. But he he did it. They everything worked. But I was so worried because of you know he wasn't in gear or anything. I was like, oh no, he's gonna blow it. You and I would 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 even get to jump. <laughs> we just slip and fall. Like that's why what would happen. Those dress shoes can be slippery. Oh yeah, there. oh yeah. Any any hard bottom shoes, man. Like sometimes I'll be at I'll be at work and I'll have some hard bottom shoes and there will just be like a little bit of rain and. I'm I'm like saving myself from going ass over tea kettle in front of like a hundred people in San Francisco. Gotta be careful. Is you know what's funny about the pro, the Burley promos when he made fun of the, the bad neck tattoo, right? And wrapped this around your bad neck tattoo or something. And I was thinking like this is like I think Cody got the bad neck tattoo because he wanted to be like the Dusty Burke. Mark. Mm-hmm. Like I need to have something like my dad had. This oh big my god, he got it on his stomach. This big splotch. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just thinking maybe that's what it was, <laughs> so he can have someone to make fun of. But I don't remember a lot of people making fun of the Burke mark. Maybe Terry Funk got away with it, but uh, I think maybe people had to stay away yeah. from that, like Hogan's hairline. All right, so, uh, so we're done here. Um, unfortunately, we didn't have a lot of good to say about these shows, but uh, you know, usually more so than not, they are, they are good, generally good. But this was just not that week. Uh, but so for this weekend, I'm just give, give people a little bit of info about the weekend. Uh, Saturday after the UFC show, I will be back. I'm not exactly sure who I'm going to be back with yet, but we will have a show on Saturday night, Sunday, Sunday morning. And that's when you and I will come back with the uh, WCW Saturday night review. There's also going to be shows... You know, there's going to be so many shows because of the G1 with with Justin and Carlos. So there'll be tons of content. Some of it will be with me. Some of it will be with John. Some of it will be with just Justin and Carlos. But we're going to have a lot of content. So in in, in one instance, I sort of apologize because I know I know what my podcast feed is like, and I get a little anxious when there's like lots of shows that I haven't listened to. 
if you cannot get to everything, do not feel anxious. We are there as a resource. We are not there as like, you have to listen to us if you, you know, if you want to support it. Like, that's not it. Like, you know, we're, we're giving a little bit more audio because of the time, but I totally get it. I'm a podcast listener. If there are too many podcasts in my feed, I get a little worried. So if you have to skip something, like skip it. Like there's no, like you're not going to hurt our feelings. We're just trying to do, you know, what we think is, is helpful for folks. So. I just wanted to get that out before, you know, because I know we're going to have, you know, usually we're, we do three shows a week uh, and there may be more than three shows a week uh, with this G1, but we'll slow down once the G1 is over. So we, we're just trying some things with the G1. Um, okay. So for John, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.